The order of the military forces of the United States to take out this is a different kind of war. We are making profits, 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 profits. How long have you been in country, soldier? I ain't even here, Sergeant. I'm Cheyenne, Wyoming. <laughs> Straight on, brother. Let's rock! Let's see the RP! Adios, Espacito. Adios, Sarge. Say a prayer for Surf Boy. Wherever he is. Semper Fi, soldier. Semper Fi. Sick transit Gloria. Maybe we'll meet again someday. When the fighting stops. Tag him and bag him, Jennies. We're moving out. See you tomorrow. I don't know, but I've been told. I don't know, but I don't know. Hello, Esposito. Will you marry me, Lechon? You bet I will. It's 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and it's the month of November in the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 to talk with this, my friends, my amigos, me companions, me chums, me compadres, my fellow travelers. Uh, this is the Rick Emerson radio program, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us today. It is uh, Wednesday, and welcome to Day 12. It is 503-733-2970. You want to join us today? 503-733-2970. If you'd like to interface with us telephonically uh, and whatnot. It's 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, kvitches, kvetches, ruminations, musings, screeches, nattering, pointlessness, whatever it is you have. Uh, 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, able, and stylishly decked out in a pair of black pumps. And pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the stupid, whatever it is you have. It's uh, 503-733-2970. And he is sticking with it, by the way. It he's not a, he's not a, I was going to say, not a one-time pump kind of guy. Uh, but, but, I mean, he's really, he didn't just wear the high heels Monday, yesterday. He's got them on today. Wobble. Oh, he has a lot of prepping to do. He had this show in, like, less than a month. I'm saying, teetering around like some sort of Vietnamese wobble. 
So anyway, we'll talk to him later on, see how it's working out. So I guess he's wearing one kind of heel this week, and then every single week he's going to increase the size of the heel. And so then he'll be at the full-on uh, F Me Stilettos. Did we even find out where he got these heels? No. But F Me Stilettos sounds like Shiver Me Timbers. F Me Stilettos! I hope he doesn't hurt himself before he has to perform. Oh, it'd be too bad if he fell over and cracked his ribs. All right. Well, in any event. Um, what the hell was I saying? Oh, in any event. So Richie Bristol standing by. Ready to pass along all your uh, thoughts today. Don't forget. This is the last day we're doing this, by the way. Last day. Uh, today we're going to be giving away two pair, no, that's wrong, two sets of four, two four-packs, basically, of lift tickets. Uh, we've been doing to, uh, let's see, Cooper Spur, and I think um, Mount Ashland as well. So, in any event, uh, today, two random on-air callers will win a four-pack of lift tickets. And there's two random on-air callers today, uh, as determined by Richie Bristol. We'll win a, a four-pack of lift tickets now, and then tomorrow... We've been giving away these four pairs of lift tickets. Um, at tomorrow, one of the winners, you know, you know, we give away, I think, I don't know, five, six of these or something so far. But everybody who's won a four-pack of lift tickets, yeah, your name goes into this sort of figurative hat. Not a real hat. More of a kind of a symbolic hat. An electronic hat. A hat made of ones and zeros. Streaming through space. And we're going to pick... We're going to pick one of your names, and you will uh, win a brand-new GNU brand... That's uh, the AV pot right there, sir. That's what that is. We'll have uh, we'll have Matt go uh, go and take care of that in the back. Um, Matt and Brian Jones, who has joined us, resplendent in a tie-dyed shirt, sporting it as only he can. Anyway, so uh, we've been giving away these four packs of ski lift tickets. Uh, tomorrow we will pick one of those winners, and you win a brand new snowboard from Canoe, which has been sitting up in Susan's office. And I don't even snow. I don't even leave the house. I don't do it on the snow. I don't go out in the rain. I don't go out at all unless I absolutely have to. But even I can tell that it's a fantastic snowboard. So we'll be giving that away tomorrow. All right, any event. All right, it's 503-733-2970. You can also email that if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970.am. Richie with a T at 970.am. Or, because he has returned MacArthur style, Tim Riley can be reached at Tim at 970.am. Hello, Tim. How are you? How are you today? I couldn't be better. I'm sorry. We'll adjust your microphone level over there. I think it's still set to atom levels. Oh, well, I want to think. Oh uh, no! Oh, uh, you're, you're, I actually can't hear you at all. I sound like a promoted space. Yeah, and it's all the way up. Yeah. Okay. You know up. what? Uh, hold on. We're gonna adapt, improvise, overcome. Sarah, I'm gonna move mic number three over to Tim. Yep. Use that for now, and then Use we'll. Use that uh, for now. That's gonna be probably a little hot. Hot. Never. <laughs> Not unlike you yourself, Tim Riley. All right. How are you today? It's nice to be back. Yeah, you are. We missed you. Now, see, you're in full voice. See, now, I was gone for a couple of days, and I came back, and you know, even now my voice is ever so slightly rougher on the edges. You sound almost flawless. So I had actually four days to recover. Right, well, that's true. You had to, uh, because you were, you were gone Saturday, Sunday, and then both Monday and Tuesday. Yes. When did you start getting sick? Thursday night. But you, you know, you but you were a trooper. You played it through on Friday, right? All right. And then I had to uh, go for an audition, as many actors do after the show of Friday, right? And I stretched my vocal cords to the max, and something snapped. Really? Yes. Did you? Are you going to say how you did it, or are you going to no. keep that to yourself? No, no you're not going to. Mm-hmm. Now, actors are a superstitious lot, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this: Obviously, you won't reveal this, but. And we would not expect you to do so. Are you not revealing what you did for your audition because of a superstition or because 
it is kind of your go-to audition piece, and you don't want another actor to hear it and go, "I got to use that." That's correct. Okay. That's genius. I can totally understand. No, no, no. That. That's totally no. I can. That's that's I. That, that makes a lot of sense to me, actually. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, you find something that works for you. You know, and I certainly tip your hand, everybody else. It, you know what? It, it would be like. Paul Prudhomme uh, giving away the secret recipe for his, like, a souffle. Mm -hmm. All right. Anyway. Well, it was my souffle. All right. But, but, this, uh, but this audition piece required you to sort of to scream. To scream a lot. So yeah. it, was, you were, like, it was like the St. Crispin's Day speech or something, and at the end your throat was just all blown out. Uh-huh. But, right. but I knew I made it. All right. So <laughs> that's all that was important. But, you know, that is what's important, Tim. Can I just tell you this? This is an absolutely true story. And then we'll uh, talk about what's coming up today. Uh, briefly, Lisa Desjardins. Uh, the Shield. Boy, sweet Jesus Almighty, are we going to talk about The Shield? Because we only got two more, uh, you know, we got today and we got next week. So that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip ahead real quickly to say, if you saw The Shield last night, you know everything that I'm thinking, probably. I mean, the email I got today, I got a lot of emails from dudes about The Shield, and many of them were just one sentence, and they were things like, Holy Christ, or, you know, effing mother of God, or kill me. You know, I mean, it's just... Uh, it, Watching The Shield last night, it's funny that we had this whole long discussion in the 2 o'clock hour yesterday about relationships and personal sort of difficulties and battling your demons. Oh, boy, did that go well. And therapy. Oh, we'll find out about that, I'm sure. The Shield last night, I don't mean to compare a fictional TV show to like our actual real lives, but for those of you who've been watching The Shield for seven years, I don't know what they're going to do next week. Because next week is the finale, the final, uh, final episode. Next week is the, the last episode ever of The Shield. Last night, though, I mean, it was it was it was quite unlike anything I've seen on television before. I'm not going to say it's the best hour of television ever made. That probably is still the uh, second uh, season finale of West Wing, and there's been a lot of other great pieces of TV. But last night, uh, and we'll give spoiler warnings where we talk about it. It was uh, it was real something. I mean, we'll we'll get to that. So this is the last season of the Shield. This last season, the last episode. Next week is the, is it, baby? Next week is the last episode ever. The series the finale. With Michael Chiklis. Michael right? Chiklis, okay. uh, who is who is uh, wonderful. I mean, the role of a lifetime, really, for that guy. Better um, than the commish, Rick. Better than the commish. Better even than the commish. Better than the commish. Better than um, assistant. <coughs> better than assistant engineer during the Nixon Kennedy debate in Oliver Stone's movie Nixon, and better than the role of John Belushi in the movie Wired, which was actually his kind of breakthrough. So, all right. Um, the hell was I saying? Voice, superstition. Oh, I've done that thing. Blah blah blah. Tim. The hell are we talking about? I know, I've been I... getting your deliriousness though lately. Like I'll be on a tangent about something that I have no clue. Where I started from or what I'm talking about. Now, I was doing it's so much better. Now, I'm going to start working my way back. Anyway, so, uh, so oh, I was going to say, so, Tim, your voice was going a little ragged on Friday, but you went to an, uh, an audition for a, well, a for a thing, for a project. Oh, yes, yes. For a thing. Tim went on an audition for a thing, and as you said, you kind of wrecked your voice, but you managed to really nail it, which is what counts. Yes. Here is a true story uh, that is embarrassing, but it is true. So, you know, I have this... Um, I have this music project that I did, and while I've gotten clearance to talk about some of my outside projects, Outlook Portland, CW, Sunday, 6.30. I, I don't have clearance. I can't talk about some of my other stuff. But, you know, many of you know, if you go to my website, I have this, uh, this uh, little uh, band and uh, we don't have a CD and whatever. So we're in the studio laying down the tracks. Wait, today? No, no, no. This is like this is last year when we were okay. doing the studio. So we're in the studio, and there is, and I'm, you know, it's not like I'm a terrible singer, but I'm not, you know, it's not what I do. It's not my deal. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a gifted singer. I would say I'm okay. You know Caruso. That's what I'm saying. David Caruso. Um, so the um, actually I sing just like David Caruso. So there was this song though where I had to hit kind of this high note. 
And I've been singing all night, and just like you, Jim, my voice was sort of at fraying around the edges, but it's like we had to get it done. And there was this there was this note in the song I just could not hit. And I'm singing this song, uh, you know, like, Rock Woman, Send Me to Hell, or whatever. And I'm, you know, Rock Woman, Send Me to Hell! You know, and I'm trying, I can't quite, I can't quite make it work. Um, and finally, you know, the engineer's like, dude, you want to scratch it? I mean, if you're not, if you're not feeling it, I can fix it in Pro Tools. And I'm just, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 I, I can deliver the rock. And so I, you know, I, I, upstairs, and I'm in front of this vocal microphone, I'm like channeling all of my inner Rob Halford. And, uh, you know, and every, we, we plays back the track, and I've just got to nail this one note. And so I'm leading up to the, you know, the rock woman sent me to hell. And as we hit the line, I'm sort of doing that dumb thing that guys do when they're performing, you know, the rock. And it's only rock. Guys don't do this when they're performing, you know, like country or hip-hop, where you got to make the rock face in the rock pose. And you know what I'm talking about. Where, like, when a guy's playing a guitar... And Sarah, you know this. You've, uh, you see a lot of bands where the guy's up there playing guitar, and he does like that rock scowl. And then sometimes when the guy's playing the solo, it's like he's working an invisible ventriloquist puppet where he's playing the solo. And meanwhile, his mouth is going all, you know. Yep. So I'm striking the rock pose. I get ready to hit the note. You know, and I get rock woman, send me to hell tonight. And I hit the song and literally rip my jeans. Literally rip the ass out of my pants. Which sounds like a fake rock story, but it is totally That's true. That's rock and roll to me. It is a totally true story. What were you doing with your body to make your jeans give like that? I was kind of like, I was, I was like crouching down, and then I was like kind of, you know, that thing you project from your diaphragm. Um, Always think with the diaphragm. Yeah, and I was just sort of like, you know, and I was just kind of clenching up, and I think I was also fat. Uh, so, you know, but on the, on the rock woman, somebody held tonight, <laughs> ripping my jeans. So, anyway, so there you go. True Good story. So that's what you did at your audition, Tim. I did. All right. so, and, and it worked out very well. Fantastic. What stories are you working on today, Tim Riley, to celebrate your glorious return to the airwaves? You know, the, the thing is, I don't know if you guys talked about some of this stuff, but I'll try. We you got to stop me. We got to almost nothing. I'll okay. tell you that. So I should thank uh, Adam. Yeah. Is that who it is? Adam Thompson. Uh, and I got to say, uh, no snark here. He did a great job. He really did. Uh, he he was, especially because we were talking about this during the. I mean, this is, you know, and I'm not. He, he never tried to get sympathy for it, because you know what? When you work in radio, especially as a younger man, mm -hmm. when you're coming up in radio, y you work long, bad hours, you're paid nothing, you work on holidays, you hate your life, uh, and whatever. But he had been awake at more or less since 10 o'clock the night before, and he worked till 3 in the afternoon, uh, having to be on the mic and kind of entertaining the whole time. And he did a great job, so, uh, so our hat is off to him. So. Good job, Adam. Good job, Adam. <laughs> we'll call you again sometime. The city of Portland will try a brand new $140,000 solar-powered toilet. They could become cheaper if Portland uh, catches on as a solar toilet manufacturing center. Uh huh. The city of Lakewood, Washington, takes a stand and demands a Christmas tree be called a Christmas tree, damn it. The Westboro Baptist Church plans to protest against Silverton's transgendered male who's not even gay. Wait, hold on. Does that mean that, yep. is that this yep. is the God Hates Blanks, folks? Uh -huh. Does this mean they'll be coming here? Yep. Mm -hmm. I sent a wacky radio we stunt. We yes, radio wackiness. You know what? First of all, uh, never, I'm not going to get out of it. Well, I'll save my anger till later. All right, and uh, St. Helens' biggest employer, Boise Cascade Mills, will shed hundreds of employees. The townspeople may be jealous of the St. Helens man who won twelve billion dollars in the Oregon lottery. I would be. The Indian Navy. Who knows? Knew that they had one. The Indian Navy. Indian Navy, like hmm? feather or dot, as Adam Carolla would say. The kind of navy that travels in ships. It sinks a pirate mothership. Long-time Alaskan Republican Senator Ted Stevens is ousted. 
The CEOs of the big three automakers fly in private jets to Washington to beg you for a bailout. They should have to drive there in their own cars that nobody will buy. They'd never make it. No. Let them go bankrupt, cries the soulless Mitt Romney. 250 will be laid off at Time Magazine today. And OnStar commemorates its 100,000th distress call. Excellent. All right. Do we get to have Do audio we have of it? We don't, unfortunately. Oh. Yeah. All right. Somebody must have it out there somewhere. I'm so glad you're back, Tim Riley. I'm so glad I'm back, too. All it's right. kind of surreal. It doesn't yeah. feel like I'm here. I mean, it's, you know, Adam did a great job, and, you know, we all, uh, you know, it was a good show. The last couple of weeks have been kind of off. Ever since the election, everyone, someone's been sick, you know, every other day. Or the, the election took a lot of it. I think that election coverage was the best I have done. It was ever. I got to say, it was quite something. I um, was quite proud of us all. There was I mean, when you think about it, we did, we were doing a live show, basically, at a venue. And Sarah and I were downstairs then doing live stuff just with the crowd at the venue. Then we were doing a live radio show and a webcast and, and a closed-circuit like like, yeah, feed. Broadcast everywhere. And we were on CNN radio across the country, all basically at once. And, and we must be getting more important because nobody let us down, and that is rare. Right. There's no. always somebody who ruins things. Not that time. No. It was, I mean, everything worked as it should have. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was exciting. I got a nice handwritten note from the Willamette, actually. Nice. Uh, from uh, our good friend Jess uh, Sword at the Willamette, who's their promotions person. She's a nice um, lady. I like yeah, her. Yeah, she was, uh, I, I dig her. So, all right. Well, in any event. Hello, Sarah Dillon. How are you Hello. today? Hello. I'm doing very well. All right. So, if you did not, um, if you did not hear yesterday's show, we played part of it in the recap. And I want to dwell Thanks, on Richie. this. I, you know, and I, you know, we, we don't need to, uh, to, to go back and mine more, more gold out of the same uh, you know, hole or whatever. But um, we did play part of this in the recap. So the, um, Jimmy the Comedian, uh, who is your special gentleman friend at the moment. So we had a long discussion yesterday. Started with Adam having dinner with Timmy and Shelly, who mm. are on their way to Nashville as we speak. Um, and... Uh, we never really did hear about the dinner because I got sidetracked into this business of you sort of asking this guy you're kind of with right now uh, about had he uh, had biblical relations with a certain woman. And it turns out yeah. not only yes, but it's a woman you have to see occasionally because they travel in the same circles. Not just occasionally. I think, it, yeah, it, if we, yeah, I think she, they, they she's a comedian. Yes. Yeah. And and to be fair, you know, we so yes had the discussion with him after the show yesterday. And you so know, was he, he listening yesterday? No, but then he listened to the podcast. See, that podcast is going to screw generations really to come. Because it takes everything out of context because it's just a big blob of the show that doesn't really like flow right, with anything else. Right. It's just like this big chunk of time. He can just skip right to that part and listen to just the worst parts over and over again. Yes, yeah. exactly. So that was just awesome. And I had like radio nightmares last night, too. Good for you. Which was really great. Though. About him or just about like whatever? No, it's about like how I was trying to come to the station and like I couldn't get here. And my mom, you and my mom were here. And I was trying to get back to the station in time. And you guys are both really angry at me because I couldn't, you know, find my way back and then I get in here and the AV isn't working you know right. like the tip I haven't had a radio dream in a long time so I had that actual radio dream last night where the AV wasn't working except it wasn't so much a dream as a reality um, my dream still have cart machines really yeah I have the dream where the phones are all on hold like lots of calls but I can't pick them up I hit the button and the phones won't answer it's not that there are no calls I never have a dream that like you know there's no calls or you know whatever um, but I but I have this dream all the time that I'll look down and there's like 10 people on hold waiting to come on the air and I keep hitting the button and I can't pick up the phone actually. Oh, so bad. it's freaky. No, last night, just as a side note, I, uh, I can, it, from my home, as part of the glorious uh, technological revolution, I can actually see 
all of Sarah's screens here in the studio, which I don't think most people have ever seen. We ought to do a little web tour of the studio someday where we like. Have no, a... You can see them uh, from the snake guy. Did oh, really? The man came in. You, you can see oh, Sarah's yeah. screens. Remember when the uh, cobra tried to jump over the oh, board? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot about that. So we're have Richie do like a tour one of these days showing you all the nooks and crannies of the studio. But Sarah has these two computer screens she uses. And I can actually now access those from my home. Mm -hmm. Um it's all except for last night when the station just went completely uh, belly up for a couple oh, of minutes. No. It was, I mean, it was not to be fair. I mean, it got, it, you know, it was fixed only Matt Green uh, and actually Court, you know, were able to, they, you know, got it back on track. We were airing the Pilots basketball game and things went a little sideways. But um, and so I was sitting there last night and I'm trying to log into the station from home to fix a little something with the automation system. And it's that thing of like connecting, connecting, cannot connect. Try again later. I'm like, no. So. Did you have to get up and come down to the station? No, no, no. Fortunately, uh, Matt was able to uh, to get it back on track. But oh, uh, anyway, so it was like a radio dream come to life. It's a dream <laughs> from which I could not wake up. Uh, I, but you know, I will tell you, I woke up at four o'clock this morning, convinced that I had overslept. I just woke up and I was ah, I'm late, you know, and I did, you know, and then it was only four o'clock, and then I couldn't get, and then I gave myself such an adrenaline jolt, I actually couldn't get back to sleep. Mm. So I had the worst time sleeping last night because I was so exhausted yesterday after staying out really late right. the night before, with, um, you know, drink, doing the drinking and whatnot, and so I went to bed at like ten thirty last night, and then woke up at one, couldn't fall back asleep till like four or five in the morning, then woke up again at seven, and then finally, and like I closed my eyes and woke up, and it was nine. By it the way. Just for a second. I do like the fact that we had kind of a sort of an in-depth kind of, you know, very sort of, um, I don't know, I would say a sort of intense conversation yesterday, followed by you going to see your shrink, followed by you drinking all night. Well No, done. no, not last night. Oh, okay. No, that was the night before. Ah. No, last night was my, no, last okay. night was wholesome that I watched a movie and was in bed by 10.30. So did the, so the comedian, did he, uh, so did you have, did you give him the talk about like, don't listen to the show, don't listen to your friends tell you about the show? I don't know. I've never really given anyone the don't listen to the show talk because I like it when people do listen right. to the show because I, you know, I'm proud of what we do and I like it. But yeah, at the same time, things can be misconstrued, and especially since yeah. you know you can only put out a limited amount of information on the air. It was, uh, it was a little awkward, but I mean, but we chatted about it, and it was, and it's okay. Would you like to hear one kind of amusing email? Sure. Okay, this might make you smile, Rick. Just listen to the end of the recap. Sarah shouldn't be too concerned about her new guy's ex. How serious could the sex have been? They're both comedians. Just don't joke about his funny bone. Funny bone. All right, that made me laugh. Sorry. All right. Thanks for trying to make me laugh. That's I what I did. All right. Uh, anyway. Oh, and my friend. Do you remember my friend Beth from long ago? Yes. Who lived to, who lived to Chicago? She just moved back. I hung out with her for a little bit yesterday. Right. Wait, is she one of your sexy friends? Yes. All your friends are sexy friends. You don't have any. Uh, you have some screening process. You don't allow ugly people to befriend you. You must. You must stop them at the door. Good for you. Seriously, there's like you must be this hot to hang out with Sarah Dillon. All of your friends Strange are hot. Thing to say. Well. I'm not. I'm just kidding. I mean, I'm sure you. Of beautiful people. I'm. Right? I'm sh I know you don't do that. I'm just saying it does. It, it's like a weird law of averages thing. Like the statistical likelihood of you know all of your friends being hot is just staggering. You know, like it, the, the it seems very unlikely and yet it's true. So I'm just saying. Oh, it, I mean, it works out well for me. I mean, so. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's what's coming up later on today. Uh, Lisa Desjardins will join us from the Hill. We'll also talk to. We had a bunch of stuff. Steve Castam on today. Talk to Ed McCarthy. Uh, as well, Ed McCarthy's going to talk about a Nebraska thing where the kids are parents are booting their kids out of the car as fast as they can. Um, Susan Reynolds, your window is closing. Uh, let's see what else. We'll talk to CNN radio correspondent Jim Roop, Mr. Skin. We may try to get Peter Carlin today to talk about the Shield. It's uh, he's been a busy couple of weeks for him uh, as well. Let's see uh, what else. Watch is coming up today. I think we got a Geek Watch, a Clown Watch over there somewhere. And uh, your phone calls as well. Plus, and Tim, I think you were here when I teased this, but we never did get to it. I have this What's CD. That? It is a sampler. It is Muzak's 60th anniversary sampler CD. 
That's incredible. It is. Now, what year is that from? You've uh, been teasing this for like two weeks. We've got to get to it. How how old do you think? When do you think the music company started? What year? I would say the twenties. Sarah, the Muzak Elevator Music Company. Didn't you already say 1948? 1934. Uh-huh. Split the difference. I was close. So, yeah. So we'll do that, and we got the new Guns N' Roses single. Not the Chinese Democracy one, the other one. All right. Uh, let's get some of your phone calls here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello there. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Uh, welcome back to Tim, and hello to Sarah as well. Hello. Oh, thank you. Um, I wanted to uh, just talk to you real quick about the shield. I know you're going to more detail about it later. but uh, uh, So you did see last night? I did indeed. Okay, so just real quickly, uh, let me interrupt it. it. For anybody who has not seen last night's Shield, and again, the Shield isn't a show with twist endings or surprises or like who shot Jr. You know, there are revelations, but there are no. They don't do like a bunch of gotcha. Oh my God! And the island is really on a comet in outer space. They don't do any of those. It is the journey, not the destination. That said, if you don't want to hear sh- uh, spoilers about the Shield, whenever you hear us start talking about today, you turn your radio down for a bit. So, all right, go ahead, sir. All right, uh, two things. Number one, the 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 scene with. Uh, Shane and when Morris hurt, he's oh just, God! And they're in the flop house. It just, you know, that was just so it sickening. Was I mean, wrenching. It's just a pathetic. It was wrenching. Thing. Yeah. The, you know, Sean Ryan, he's he's such a bastard because he, the the scene, of course, where Vic is in with the Fez and he's he starts to talk and he he looks down, he looks up, and he starts to talk about Terry Crowley and and Sean Ryan just slaps you in the face with what you always. New forces you to confront the fact that we all knew that Vic is a bad, bad guy. Dude. And uh, you just almost forgot about it for about four seasons. And you're like, oh, yeah, this you, evil SOB. You have hit the nail on the head. Uh, and so ha- stay on the phone here, sir, while I read you something. This is an email from our good friend Seamus. And I'm going to read a brief email because he says exactly the same thing. Listen to how this, if you are a S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, and I'll make this bearable for non-S.H.I.E.L.D. fans by basically telling you this. Vic Mackey is a dirty, corrupt cop. But... You sort of forgive it as a viewer because you feel like, as Peter Carlin says, he bends the rules to enforce the law. In other words, you know, he's a dirty cop, but you do feel like it's in the service of a greater good, like he breaks the rules to service good and to fight crime. You, 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 you know, so he's the morally ambiguous cop, but you say, well, it's okay because really he is a good guy. And last night, and I will also say this, this is the seventh and final season of The Shield. Last night, there is a moment from episode one, from the first episode of the first season, literally seven years ago, something happens in the first ever episode of The Shield that they finally pay off last night. Seven years they have had something that happened, and they paid it off last night. And there is, and again, if you don't, if you don't want to know, tune, tune down. Um, there is a sequence last night where Vic Mac- Mackey, who is a dirty, corrupt, evil cop, but who you've secretly been rooting for this whole time, to get an immunity deal, he has to sit down in a room with the feds in front of a microphone, and part of the immunity deal is he has to confess to every crime he has committed. And they're like, if you omit anything, it voids the immunity deal. So there is this great scene where Vic Mackey has to sit down and confess all of his sins over the past seven seasons to the feds. And... You're so right. So listen to this email. It says, Rick, the shield isn't even like a roller coaster ride anymore. It's just like one of those drop rides that keeps plummeting in a metal cage all the way to the ground. 
He said, did you feel sick hearing Vic confess to the feds? It was like this guy we all sort of rooted for over seven years, despite everything, finally acknowledged all of it. And then we had to sit and hear Vic tell him how sick and terrible and twisted he is, the guy we had rooted for. I wonder if other listeners shared the same moment the way I did, when they called Vic out for being a horrible human being, making us, the viewers, feel guilty by association. It, Rick, it was like the feds were calling me out for being in Vic's corner. Uh, and he says, um, you know, there's only, and he says that only two other episodes of, of a show have ever made him feel as sick as last night's Shield did. That is when they reveal a lot of the Cylons being human and Lem getting murdered. He says, Jesus, do you feel like a bad person after last night's Shield? And don't you feel like it was a sort of catharsis? Like Vic has been carrying around all of this horrible stuff that he has done for seven years, but it's like we've been carrying it around with him because we root for him. And of course. And we're we going to break here in a second, but, of course, the most, the biggest crime of all is that Vic killed another cop seven years ago. And for seven years, he has carried it around telling nobody, and we have carried it around with him. And last night, they turn on the microphone, and Vic gets ready to confess his crimes. And no lie, they held silence for about 30 seconds of just the camera on Vic's face while he kept, while he tried to force, he tried to find the willpower to open his mouth and confess it. And I was just going, come on! And I was going insane. And then when he finally said, seven years ago, I, t I killed Officer Terry Crowley. And I went, ugh! And I just felt like, immediately felt like such a bad person for carrying that around with him. It, it looked like, you know, Vic was so great because he, he heard that the chick was, obviously, the actor was, was so great because he just looked down. And after about 30 seconds, when he looked up into the camera and he just, like, looked into your soul, uh, like, here I am, you know, the, the devil. And then when he was done with all that, it's almost like the weight had been lifted right. because he kind of sighed. Right. It's like, all right, it's all on the table now. Uh, you know, and Claudette yeah. is going insane. It was just, oh. it, it was an, we're talking about it more today. It was an exemplary episode. Thank you, sir. Right on, Rick. Thanks. Right, there you go. Back after this with Lisa Desjardins. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Well, freestyling. Exactly. That's what we do. Because we're professionals, sir. That's true. Game day players, like the men of old. Uh, why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Steve Kastenbaum, Matt McCarthy, Jim Roop, Mr. Skin, Peter Carlin, uh, Tim Riley, and all that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill, CNN Radio Correspondent Extraordinaire, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hey there, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I, this outfit that I'm wearing is very itchy, though. You're what? This, I'm wearing this um, outfit that I like quite a bit, but it's it's uh, it's a first time out with this, and it's it's very itchy. You didn't wash it? No, you know it's wool. It's got this, it's oh. old school wool. It's actually an old. It's, it's from the uh, 1950s, I think, and it's this old wool, and it's it's very itchy. It's probably itchy because it was uh, worn by uh, a person now dead who died of a lingering skin disease. It could be. It could be. It could be. Uh, for a minute, I thought you said when you, before you said this outfit is itchy. I thought you said this ascot is itchy, and then I was just picturing you in an ascot, like at a, like at some sort of a country club, backed by a bunch of like you know leather-bound books. Uh, <laughs> all right. So here's a fun fact on the CNN radio prep sheet, and this, by the way, is a testament to how much we love having you on the show. It, it lists you as talking about nothing, zero, nada, not one thing. Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't have my name at all, or does it actually? Say oh no, it says Lisa Desjardins, available from Capitol Hill, on the following stories. Blank. <laughs> There's nothing there. Not one thing. <laughs> well, that that explains 
why it's been a bit of a slow day. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess, or, or, you know, it's maybe it's a ringing endorsement of you. That, I mean, really, you are the story, Lisa. Maybe, I guess, for all of our, you know, Zen Buddhist stations yes. out there. Aren't I'm we real. all the story and the reporter? <laughs> Exactly. What would you like to talk about, Lisa? What is in the silence? What is it? It's the notes you don't play. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm stuck watching the um, big three automakers again. Woo! And, you know, we've got the whole corporate jack. Everyone's everyone's making a big deal out of the fact that these three guys... They should have drove there. They should have driven there, right? They should have driven there in their automobiles. Totally. Right? Right? Um, hey, did you catch that thing that Mitt Romney wrote this morning? That, uh, that uh, editorial that Mitt Romney said about it? Screw them. Let them go bankrupt. No, really. It was in, uh, I believe it was the New York Times. You know, but now that I say that, that can't possibly have been true. The idea that Mitt Romney would write an editorial for the liberal New York Times. <laughs> but it was either the New York Times, it might have been the Wall Street Journal. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Mitt Romney, now see, I have to find it. Um, Mitt Romney, though, wrote a very scathing editorial uh, in which he essentially says, and I think at one point he actually uses the phrase, let them go bust. Yeah, New York Times. That's that's where it was. Like, the idea of see there you got tells you what you need to know about that guy. Yeah, I you're mean, on. Well, you think I I am not surprised because that that is the way it's going at the Capitol now. Republicans are have the momentum on this on Detroit, on this automakers uh, loan patent deal, and they are just this the man. I cannot talk today. It's too itchy. Um, the opposition <laughs> to this deal is um, is just growing and growing. So I think Mitt Romney. It might sound like he's a little bit ahead of the game, but he's probably about a day behind where people were on Capitol Hill. The Republicans do not like it. They think maybe it would be better uh, not just for some of these companies to go bankrupt, for, but for maybe a, a total collapse. They oh, think this, they are in that bad shape. All right, if I can put forward a slice of the personal – those stupid bastards, why were they – why are they opposed to this, which is like $25 billion, but they weren't opposed to $700 right. trillion dollars for the same thing right. earlier? right. That, and that is what Democrats are saying. Are you kidding me? What? What? Come on. Yeah. And and but Republicans, what has happened here is I don't know if you've seen a Simpson episode. Maybe it was in a Simpsons movie where like Homer is dumping all the waste in the pond. Right. Right. Yeah. He puts the one like the the one little last piece is what makes you know. And it goes toxic. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think that's what's happened here with Republicans is they their constituents were so angry and in general did not like the bailout. Uh, before that, that they are saying, all right, this is you know one more dollar and that and that's it. I can't no more. But but in the in the bigger picture, you have to really think about what would happen if the auto industry goes under. And uh, think among the more frightening things that we've heard from these CEOs is that all three of these companies are so interrelated because they depend on the same parts manufacturers. So if one of them goes down, it's very likely that uh, you know the plant that makes transmissions. Uh, for different cars, but for, you know, for three, the big three in general, uh, would go down. You know, I, I, I don't understand how that works, but this is what they're I, arguing. And I hate to keep editorializing here, so please forgive me. I know that I do that sometimes, but I mean, whatever happened to just having faith in American ingenuity, you know, and Yankee know-how? And the, and the, I mean, I hate to sound so uh, Mr. Mr. Smith goes to Washington about this, but whatever happened to having confidence in ourselves as a country. And you know what? Countries look, companies go bankrupt all the time. Companies go out of business mm -hmm. constantly. 
Um, you know, I used to work with some uh, some, some, we, my, some friends, and I owned our own company. Gone, gone, gone. Went, went away. Mm-hmm. Um, companies go out of business. But whatever happened to this idea that, okay, well, look, you know what? Uh, we're Americans. The companies are going to go away. Maybe these, maybe these auto uh, manufacturers aren't around anymore. But you know what? We'll figure it out. We'll work past it. We'll, we'll, the, the vacuum will be filled, and we will move forward. I mean, this idea that we're just so afraid of the unknown, right. and it used to be that we would just sort of leap right into the void, into the chasm, and now we're just uh, you know, desperately wanting an infusion of cash to keep things at essentially the status quo. I mean, right. it just uh, it's very, it seems very un-American to me. That's what that's essentially what Republicans are arguing. You know, Republicans, a lot of this is political. They are under a lot of pressure to not give any more money to anyone, uh, but a, a lot of this also for Republicans is is saying we don't th- we think that you guys have made so many mistakes. That, that we think this is good money after bad, and we think you guys just have to hit the bottom and then figure it out. Which somebody is going to come in and come up with a better plan right. and reinvent the auto industry. Well, you know what? And if we prop you guys up. It's not going to happen. And as I and as I often say, uh, you know, if you you can't keep bailing your deadbeat kid out of jail, or he's going to keep going to jail because he knows you're going to come and fix it. And I, I sort of say this half jokingly that you know that, that I'm for using as much oil as possible because we're never going to figure out an alternate source of energy as long as we've got oil around. We got to use it up and get it gone, and then we'll have to come up with something better. Um, you know, but that's like the thing with the auto industry. I mean, we're just you know we got to move past that uh, at some point. So I'm I am with you on the good money after bad, and I can't by the way, and I can't take credit for this observation. Uh, this was somebody else who said this. It was uh, uh, Tom Likas who does the show in the afternoon here, but he was noting that. You know, it's it's telling that the auto companies, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, it is telling that the auto companies won't just go to the bank and go like, hey, uh, so we're having some reversals right now, challenging times. We need a, we need a business loan because no bank would give it to them because no bank would assume that the bank would assume they'd never get it back. So I mean, so well, I think the size of the loan already makes it tough for them to to get. But you're right, and in fact, now we know that uh, people who want to buy American cars are having a tougher time getting loans than people who buy foreign-made cars because uh, the auto loan industry is saying, wait, these these guys might go bankrupt, and and we're not sure we're going to – if you default on this car loan, we don't think we're going to get anything back, you know. So, well, there you go. Um, So there you go. So what is – I mean, but what – is there any kind of timeline for – well, first of all, two questions. Uh, and then we got to uh, skedaddle and make way, way, make way for our friend uh, Steve Kasten. But two questions. Hey. One is, is there any kind of timeline for when this is either going to happen or not happen? And secondly, is this going to be another one of those things, though, where everybody's opposed to it, but at the end they screw us by doing it against our wishes anyway? <laughs> uh, it doesn't feel like it, it, it but I think that this is going to be, uh, you know, call, testing the boy who cried wolf. All right, well, let's see if you right. it really is a wolf. I think that tomorrow there may be a vote. The Democrats were talking about it, but it, it hasn't been scheduled yet. There may be what they call a test vote, which is basically a uh, a vote to move to this topic. And that vote is for tomorrow. And if, if they can get 60 votes, if any, if any one idea can get 60 votes tomorrow, then something will happen very soon, probably in the next couple of days. But if it can't, then, you know, people who want to help the auto industry right now, who want to give them new money, are back at square one. They're going to potentially try and call for a December session of Congress, but a lot of people are just laughing at that idea. I think if if this vote doesn't pass, if they don't get something going tomorrow, if that's when they take these votes, uh, it's going to all get punted to the Obama administration. Well, and what does Obama's take on giving the auto industry a bunch of free money? Yeah, he 
he says we need to help them, but he's not saying exactly how. He hasn't come down on should we take this money from the bailout that we already passed, which is what Democrats want to do. Should we, you know, take the money we already gave them, that $25 billion, uh, to help make them, you know, greener and have, you know, more efficient engines? Uh, should we take that money and just say, okay, forget about it, use it however you want to survive? He hasn't said. He has said that he is convinced that Detroit needs some help right now, uh, but he hasn't given specifics on what he'd do. So I have a feeling what's going to happen is probably nothing in Congress, and then everyone will watch and see just how bad the fallout is. And then when Barack Obama comes in, they'll figure out what they need to do at that point. By the way, and on election night, uh, you know, we were, uh, you know, on election night and in the debates leading up to the election, we were doing sort of the official drinking game. Or it's like you drink every time John McCain says, my friends. Yes. You drink every time Sarah Palin says, like, you betcha. I I had joked to my wife uh, the the night after the election. It was like Wednesday or whatever. I said that, you know, there should be a new drinking game for 2009. And you just take a drink every time Obama, uh, you know, disappoints the people who voted for him. Uh, You know, I mean, and you'll be drunk already. I mean, look, he's already, you know, he's going to make he's going to make Hillary Clinton secretary of state. And he's going to take a bunch of our money without our permission and give it to rich people who already have way too much money. So nothing says change like doing more of the same. <laughs> wow. I don't know where to start with that. Oh, you don't have to start anyway. I'll, I'll do it, it for yeah. you. <laughs> All right. And by the way, and is uh, my final question. Okay. Uh, actually, uh, two small questions. One, is this a sw- I don't mean to sound creepy. Is this a sweater you're wearing? Because I'm getting the feel it's like a whole like blazer thing. It's a suit. It's a suit from like the a 1950s. A power suit? Fabulous green boucle wool suit. That I, is, uh, you'd have to see it to understand see, it. I almost want to ask for a picture, but that does sound creepy. But I'm just saying, it's just, I'm trying to get a picture in my head. But I got it like a Lady Bird Johnson thing kind of going on, but I don't know the what I'm skirt, It's definitely your classic pencil skirt, and the top is like, um, it's, it's different. They don't make it like this anymore. It's got a zipper straight down the back, but it's like, it's, it would be a jacket if it had a... You're doing like a Mad Men thing. Yes, it's right. very, very mad right. yes. Uh, and, and actually, I have fishnets as well, which has raised an eyebrow or two here on Capitol Hill today. You're edgy, Lisa Desjardins. I'm trying. Lisa, you have to take a picture. You know what? Rick sounds confused when he says it, but I don't. See, Sarah he can ask him. She just sounds like a woman. <laughs> you know, see, that sounds like an adorable outfit. It really does. Oh, I don't know. All right. I'll, I'll, okay. All right. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you this. I know you're not watching it, but when you finally settle down to watch the final season of The Shield, boy, howdy. Really? There, last night was the penultimate episode. Next Tuesday is the final episode of The Shield ever. <laughs> Oh, well, I can't believe it. I'm so last, I have to tell you, last night, especially, and, and this is absolutely true, for anybody who saw last night, you know what I'm talking about. If you were raised Catholic, last night's episode will trigger all kinds of weird resonance inside your oh. Catholic brain. No yeah. matter how fallen of a Catholic you might be, last <laughs> night's episode will hit Catholics in a very special place. I'll put it that way. Wow. See, this is good, because I had someone tell me that actually it was they were disappointed. No, one. no, they're fools. Okay, okay. All right. All right, Lisa, we will talk to you. Are you on tomorrow? Yes, I'll be All here. All right, we'll oh. talk to you then. Okay, great. Right, bye, there you go. What's a pencil skirt? It's like a straight skirt. It's like, like so it's not style. flared out or, you know, it's not yeah. like a bell or whatever? No, so it's like the old style <clears> skirts <throat> that just kind of go straight down to about the knee, and it has something that has like a slit in the back. Okay, all right. Excellent. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Sir or madam, as the case may be. Hi, Rick. Hey. I was telling Richie earlier that there is a place you can get up to women's size 13 shoes that are high heels that are that are um, well crafted, kind of cheap over at the rack. So this is so. In other words, if Richie wanted to find a whole variety of pumps that might work with his largish feet, this would be a place for him. Well, let's call him a sturdy man. <laughs> he is indeed. He's stout, stout-hearted, and stout-legged. Uh, less stout now. He's lost like 30 pounds. Is that true? Mm-hmm. See, it's that thing of like. 
Again, we're like, you know, uh, you know, I see him every day, so I don't know, and I, I never I know. Because he comes in here and waves himself next to me every day. He'll be like, I lost 29 pounds. See, and I know sometimes you come in and you'll say like, I lost four pounds, hot dog. And I always feel bad for not having noticed it, but then again, I see you every day. So yeah, and we're know. like, like all work, we're just wearing baggy clothes and stuff. Totally. Like all right, all right, thank you. I appreciate the uh, heads up. You're welcome. All right. Bye. Thanks so much. Wait, did you ever find out what the place was? <clears throat> I think she just said it was the Nordstrom Rack. Right? Oh, okay. I think. I, I'm sorry if she didn't say that. I think, yeah, well, she apparently told Richie, but I think it was the Nordstrom Rack. Uh, in one moment, we'll get Steve Kastenbaum. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Just a couple of thoughts on uh, what uh, why Obama is going to give uh, the car companies what they want uh, after the inauguration. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obama owes uh, a lot uh, to uh, from his uh, election from big labor and uh the UAW is just licking their chops at getting the getting this bailout money because, uh, you know, they're uh, they're going to get the, the the car companies just burn through that money in in months yeah. just because of the the amount of money that UAW contracts and and retirements just yes. sucks up. It's so, true. Uh, yeah, Obama since Obama is so betrothed to organized labor, it's it's. Trust me, he'll just flush flush your money down the toilet. You know, giving seriously, giving your money to unions or politicians, as P.J. O'Rourke once said, is like giving whiskey and car keys to a 16-year-old. So. Exactly, Mundo. All right, thank you, sir. Yeah. All right, there you go. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the York that is new. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Castabam. Hello, sir. Hey, you know, I've never been to Old York. Now that you mentioned that. Now, didn't we have a discussion about this? How you should have gone to New York, or you should have gone to York rather, and then done a side-by-side comparison? Because the architecture of one is some is somehow based on the other, right? I, I presume so. Uh, at least the old the old streets, maybe. I should do that. I should do it as as the CNN New York correspondent. I think I should uh, mm-hmm. be flown to Old York. And, uh, yeah, and do a side-by-side. I'm telling you. See, this is the sort of thing, though, that I, I, I tell people to do, and then they just sort of brush me off. Not that you're doing that. I'm just I'm just saying <laughs> i got all kinds of great ideas. You uh, do, and, and, and we never bring them to no, fruition. Uh, I, once, once or twice I, I have seized the, uh, the, the opportunity and done it. There have been a few. I, I have to tell you, I think I finally, though, finally made some headway in one of my notions. Are you a Star Wars fan? Um, to some degree, uh, yeah. Well, I, mean, then, I don't want to say I'm a big Star Wars fan because I have friends who are fanatical and know all, right. all the lines. Well, well, your friends will know about a thing called the Star Wars Holiday Special. Okay. And the Star Wars, we don't have time to get into it now, but the Star Wars Holiday Special is uh, this holiday variety hour, uh, Star Wars based, starring Chewbacca, Han Solo is there, um, it is the first appearance of Boba Fett as a cartoon. It aired once in 1978, and it is so bad so unbelievably bad. George Lucas never allowed it to be shown again. It has never come out on DVD. It never will. Lucas has said he wishes he could destroy every existing copy. And in fact, if you look at the official Star Wars chronology, the canon online, it's it's not mentioned anywhere. It has actually been expunged from the history of Star Wars. That's how bad it is. But, it's as if it never existed. Okay. Right. But here's the thing. It aired on KNBC in Los Angeles. I mean, also it's everywhere else. But it aired on KNBC in Los Angeles. And there was... One family, and it's not an internal tape, it's a home tape. You can tell because there's commercials and teases for the upcoming news that night and you know, the 11 o'clock news. There is one home copy that was made uh, on some early version of the VCR, and that copy is the source of every really grainy, bad, blurry bootleg that you find at a fan convention. They all, more or less, come from this one bootleg that, again, was done on a home VCR in some suburban household in 1978. And I, every year, I insist that someone do an investigative piece about who is that original taper. Was it an adult? 
a kid? Do they even do they even know that their kind of badly recorded, you know, Betamax copy of that has been viewed tens of thousands of times around the world? I mean, wow. I want to know who taped that. Um, I'm surprised they never came forward because I would presume that they're real Star Wars fans and, too. And, and and you know, and it's just become so iconic. And so I think though, yesterday I finally got some traction, some movement with a journalist friend of mine who I think might work on that story because I've been begging people to do it for years just because then I can read it and file it under things Rick no longer has to obsess about. <laughs> so anyway, does, does your journalist friend cover Comic Con every year? Uh yeah, actually yes. Yeah. And so there you go. So he is he That's, is of that bent. Then he's the person to do it. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Uh, I also got a great idea for Soledad O'Brien, but I'm gonna I'm gonna save that for her. Um, okay. All right. So so you, you're talking, we were talking to Lisa about the auto thing, and now you're talking about it again today as well. So they've got this phrase: Ford's top man is standing behind their big trucks. And it seems like there's some sort of a joke there, but I, I don't really know what it is, except to say that maybe the fact that they have such big trucks is really the problem uh, at this juncture. You know, maybe. Yeah, he, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry he was telling CNN yesterday that uh, yeah, you know, the F-150 remains. You know the uh, the leader in the industry, and and it's uh, you know a fan favorite here in the U.S. So at least so yesterday I went out and talked to guys at a gas station in New Jersey about the the, the F-150. I, I put I put a question to them, you know, if given the choice of uh, having an F-150 or a Toyota Prius, which would they choose? And over and over again, they said the Toyota Prius. Wow. So. Uh, yeah, maybe the uh, the chairman of Ford is uh, not quite well, uh, in touch with his uh, consumer base. There's a difference between the cars that people find, you know, whatever, sexy or exciting, or or cars that appeal to men because they are sort of big and, you know, conspicuous American consumption and the muscle cars. There's a difference between cars that you like and a car you're going to go buy at this point. And that's what auto companies don't seem to, to, to grok. Uh, you know, they don't seem to get... Then you know, look. Everybody likes you know the uh, you know the brand new uh, Mustang or whatever that can go from zero to like a thousand in half a second. But you know that's not what you're going to be buying, and it's not probably what you can even afford to buy right now. And it seems like they can't. They need to merge those two things in their heads. Yeah, you know, like the GM is releasing that the the new Camaro, right? Right. I'd love to have the new Camaro, but I I, I can't afford that. Right. You know? Exactly. And I, and I can't afford the gas for the new Camaro either, you know. These, call, these cars have all become like, you know, something that you call Susie Orman about. You know, hey, there's a $1,200 hot fudge sundae at this Manhattan restaurant. Can I afford to buy it? And she says, like, <laughs> girlfriend, you are rejected. I mean, that's kind of what these cars are. Um, okay, so here's an interesting idea. Here's another, because I feel bad for giving uh, Soledad O'Brien this, uh, this idea, um, you know, in one of our many uh, long chats. Here's an idea for you, Steve Kastenbaum. Okay. The auto industry, of course, is asking for $25 billion or whatever to try to, you know, to, to stay in business, even though clearly the indication is their business model and the types of cars, as you just noted, that they're making are not what needs to be made right now, and they need to phase forward. You ought to do this. You ought to do a series of sort of pseudo-headlines from an earlier era in America when the creator of some now defunct technology demanded government money to keep it afloat. For example, you had to do a whole thing where, where Thomas Edison uh, goes to the government and demands an infusion of cash so he can keep creating wax cylinders for his photograph. <laughs> because, you know, because he's being put out of business by the German guy, whose name I forget, who actually created the disc phonograph. You know, and Thomas Edison can be in front of Congress going, no, 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 what about the man who sells me the wax? He'll be out of business. I need a billion dollars to make wax cylinders. I think that's really what this is, writ large, you know? I'm wondering if there is such a such a, a comparison that can be made. I'm, I'm trying to think when these bailouts, like, became 
part of our history, you know. I don't know. I well, I mean, certainly. <laughs> Excuse me. Certainly, in 1979, we gave Chrysler five billion dollars, like the last time they said they needed money from us. So. You know, one of the one of the people that I interviewed yesterday brought up an old remark that uh, Lee Iacocca had made years and years ago. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me, I have this cold. I can't get rid of. Um, and and Iacocca, he remembered, said, "You'll never get an American into a Honda." Boy, was he wrong. Right. Well, it is interesting also to note that, you know, to be fair, the government never thought Iaco could pay that money back, and they did early with interest, a big cardboard check. Uh, but that having been said, uh, you know, there is such a thing as... Um Excuse me, man. I can't get rid of this cold. Sorry. Well, I'll let you go after this statement. That speaking of Soledad O'Brien, she did this, you know, this Jim Jones special, which is creepy and great. Um, but, you know, Jim Jones had... Watch how I tied Jonestown into a Detroit. He okay. had, Jim Jones had hanging at Jonestown. That famous sign that said, those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And right. really, that is, that is, it is Groundhog Day uh, with cars. That's what's going on right now. So I agree with you. All right, go, uh, go drink some tea or something, sir. Uh, yeah, I got it. I, I, all of a sudden, just the attack, the cough attack just happened. What well, bad time. What bad timing. Everybody here, I, I've been coughing for like ever since election night, basically. Tim Riley was out for a couple of days. It's, uh, it's the first stage of the zombie epidemic, sir. I, I'm going to blame it on Rich. Just because it seems like the right thing to do. There you go. All right. Okay. Th All right. Thank you, sir. We'll talk to you Take soon. Take care. Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Tim Riley. Hello. What? Oh, I'm sorry. That's at my fault. You're. Uh, oh, yeah. is is this? Still no, he's going to come and look at it. They're in the midst of a. They're hip deep in wires right now. So they're going to. At the moment, we'll. Uh, you can't have nice things. No, I was looking for that Mitt Romney story. Uh, it was the New York Times. Yeah, uh, I got it. But yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so he just basically says, "Screw them." Yeah. All right. Yeah, you don't have a cough button right now. I mean, you do, it just doesn't work. But the funny thing was about Mitt Romney a few months ago when he was running for president, he said, there are too many controls on business. Yeah. They have to be loosened. There goes the Wait, hit the post there. All right, back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. Who plays what he wants to play? Says what he wants to say. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. You think at some point female celebrities will learn they're not to eat in public? Because the paparazzo, he's going to be right there, and he's going to photograph you as you're shoving whatever it is into your mouth. It's a great photo of Sarah Palin sun tanning. You can't really see a lot. She's kind of covered up. But but she's eating something, and it's just they catch her right in mid-eat, and so she's like mm, shoving whatever it is into her mouth. Oh, Sarah, and, where is she? Um, Let's see. Where is she? She is... Miami, so Miami. yeah, Miami. Uh, so it's it's not a very it's not like a titillating photograph at all. But uh, anyway, so it's it's just interesting to see her not dressed up in like her Sarah Palin costume. All right, hello Tim Riley. Hello. Are you ready for the news? I am. Then let's begin. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. So I must say thank you to Adam. Who filled in? Yes, the past couple days. And uh, he did a, a stellar job. Good. Well, he can be my understudy from now on. Excellent. Anytime Excellent. I wish to take a day off, I will call upon him. You know, here's it. Somebody ought to do a documentary just called Understudy. You know what I mean? I, I, don't you think about understudies sometimes? You know, folks who are just like, because an understudy is what? That's like you just learn the lines for somebody yes. to play if they can't make it some night. Mm -hmm. So like on the day that like, uh, you know, like so like Nathan Lane. You know, he's like has some issue and he can't come in, or like Matthew Broderick's holding out for more money. They, you know, understudy, 
and the understudy goes on and they just do that part. Mm-hmm. Does an understudy learn more than one role or just one typically? I believe it's one. All right. Yeah. And that's, you know, the understudy, here's the only time I'll ever see an understudy. That's if I decide to pay a lot of money to see a Broadway play. That'll be the night that all the understudies show up. It'll just be, you know, tonight you will not be seeing any of the people you wanted to see. Instead, here's a bunch of jackasses. So, there are, but I would be curious. So an understudy ought to write a blog. That would be a thing that sort of theater in the New York. Understudies and, blog. Don't you think that, wouldn't you read that if there was a blog? From an understudy who, you know, because that's an interesting, that's an interesting sort of mid-step on the show business ladder. Mm-hmm. You know, because I guess it's a, a, a good gig to get. Mm-hmm. Do you get paid whether or not you act if you're an understudy? I'm not sure on that. All right, I'm just saying it's an interesting, it's like platform nine and three quarters or whatever. It's not really a job, but it's kind but of it's a job. it's almost a job. Yeah, that's the thing is it's almost a job. It's half a job. Who would know? Storm Large would know. Hasn't she been on the stage before and rehearsing for a new show? She um, must have yes, study. when she was doing um, her performance. I know oh, she for had Cabaret. Yeah. So I bet she had an understudy for yeah. Cabaret. That is all right. All right, here's Tim Riley. Like, and, and for the, uh, for the, uh, well, never mind. I can't think today. Uh, the city of Portland is trying out a new solar-powered public toilet. Get ready. It costs $140,000. It's going to make you money well spent. Well. Uh, City Commissioner Randy Leonard, co-inventor of Portland's version of the public bathroom, hopes the stainless steel potty will make the city flush with cash. Flush with cash. Mm -hmm. This is being built at Madden's Fabrication Plant in Northwest. Uh, Workers are applying the finishing touches to this prototype. By the way, I like the idea that there's a place called Madden's Fabrication Plant. Doesn't that sound like an old school, like, welcome to our mercantile? Mm -hmm. All right. So if the model does well in Portland, which costs $140,000, it could end up making the city money through mass production, selling at $25,000 a piece. Oh, I so maybe see. GM could start building so it. That, so that's the proto. The big money's in toilets. Yes. Uh, so the prototype is going to cost that, but then theoretically we'd make them and sell them uh-huh. to, a, to other cities. Yes. Now, is that now Madden's fabrication company mm-hmm. and, and cooperative um, and thrift... But that's not owned by the city, is it? No. So the city's not going to make any money on this, ever. Well, let's see. I believe there there's a grant involved here, something like $360,000. So maybe the city take a little piece program. of the action afterward or uh-huh. something? All right. Well, that'll be, that'll be good. So if the loo is profitable, it would add to the Portland Water Bureau's bottom line, thus reducing the customer's water bills. All right. Sure. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But it's nice to, it's nice to dream. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile... A Washington town is taking a stand. It's a Christmas tree, not a holiday tree. Who could who could argue? Let there be no dispute in the Pierce County city of Lakewood. The city manager said the correct name of the December holiday is Christmas. Which, well, I don't know that the name of the December holiday... I'll put it this way. The correct name of a December holiday is certainly Christmas. Right. So that is, I suppose, arguable, depending Perhaps on... Perhaps the December holiday on December 25th. Yeah, that that is Christmas. Although, okay. does that overlap with anything else? I don't think so. Hanukkah's over before that. And Kwanzaa begins after that. Okay, so 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 Christmas is a standalone holiday, mm-hmm. unless you're some wicked in that case. Um, but I mean, but that thing is a Christmas tree. I mean, it's just, that's right. just just that's just using the language we've all agreed on. So I mean, all right, well, whatever. I'm gonna keep calling that thing downtown. Uh, uh, oh, and you know that was that's already here, isn't it? Did yeah. they put the Christmas? Tree? I missed it. I think, I think it was up. Yeah, a couple of days ago or yesterday. All right. But the great on turning doesn't happen until uh, after Thanksgiving. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go to that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so it's a Christmas tree. So shut your holes. All right, here's Tim Riley. So how would you like to be in St. Helens? The major employer of that tiny town is announcing it'll permanently lay off a majority of its workforce. And the coming months, this is Boise Cascades. They have four mills there. And they're uh, putting 300 people out in the street. Mm. So this is going to be like a Springsteen song, except it's not like 
Uh, you like the mill really is going to close. Yeah. It's always a mill closing mm-hmm. in those songs. So uh, it's going to happen very soon. All right. Officials with the state of Oregon issued a report that showed unemployment in the state spiked to nearly a full percentage point at 6.4%. It was 6.4, now it's 7.3. So it puts us well above the national average. So that's like one out of every 11 people unemployed. Yeah. Hey, by the way, someday you want to run for president? Here's how you get elected. Um, I would say that Americans respond to concrete gestures. Mm-hmm. You know, like that thing Rudy Giuliani had with a one-page tax form. Here's what you could do if you were like a, uh, or even like a mayor or a governor or something. You run for uh, you run for office, and one of your absolute finite concrete platforms. Because people, here's the thing: you can have a whole bunch of other stuff that is, you know, that's good, but people aren't going to really grasp most of it because people are dumb. You got to have a couple simple things people can grab onto, like the chicken in every pot. You run for office and just say, "Look, in my administration, it will be illegal to fire anybody between uh, November 1st and January 31st. You will not be allowed to fire anyone, be, you know, in December or January." What if you met Romney? I don't really. If you're if you're Mitt Romney, you're just a you're just a killjoy bastard anyway. But I mean, but Americans would vote for a guy like that. Doesn't even matter. Doesn't even matter what party you belong to. No. You know, you just say, look, I, you know, it will be against the law to fire anybody at Christmas or around New Year's. People would vote for you because that sucks. That sucks worse than anything because mm-hmm. we've all been fired uh, at around Christmas time. Oh yeah. You know, so I mean, it's just uh, yeah, it's no fun. All right. So. Somebody in St. Helens is doing okay. Now, St. Helens man won twelve and a half million dollars in the Oregon Lottery Mega Bucks. Ron Soritz picked up the winning ticket at the Red Apple Market in St. Helens. He couldn't be reached for comment, but the market workers say uh, they're not only happy for him, they're excited for the score. The location of the winning Mega Bucks ticket is also receiving a share. The Red Apple Market will get $100,000. What else do we have here that's local? I think that's about it. So I, far. Think, I don't know if there's a lot happening that's local. Um, somebody, I don't know, Tim, did you see this This story about, did somebody send you this thing about Hillsboro? No. All right. It's not, I mean, <laughs> pardon me, it's not like a big deal. I, apparently, and again, this is a, we only ever reported oh, this. Oh, the courthouse. Yeah. yeah the a, courthouse was, was clo- is uh, going to be closed till 1 o'clock. Bomb, bomb threat. threat. All right. So there you go. So some There's really nothing to blow up in Hillsboro anyway. So No, it's close to tennis board now. <laughs> and that can't happen. Uh, all right. And even stores out there are going out of business. In Tannisborn? Yeah. Now, how is that possible, Tim? I would think that uh, I would think that you'd be under some protected economic force field in you your plush so, neighborhood. You? Yes. I'm sorry that you're having to share the problems of the common man. That's, the massage uh, chairs are gone. <laughs> All the humanity. <laughs> They're down. The massage chairs are go- are gone, and it, when you go to the uh, and when you go to the supermarket, uh, it, they're down to a uh, one tin of mints at the front. That now they they're they're selling a precious rocks there. Precious rocks? Yeah, some millions of years old. Oh, right. that would be advertising. Is that really all that it takes to be to count as precious at this point? Is just to be really old? People are buying them. All right, all right. Is a pre- is a precious uh, precious rock like a pet rock, but without googly eyes on the front? No, they're from the dinosaur era. All right, whatever. They go into caves and bring them back and put price tags on them. Hey, can I tell you this? When I was, uh, did you all, and I know, Tim, you probably didn't, Sarah, you did. did you all didn't have, like, the, um, not the weekly reader. That's like a magazine they give you in school. But that, like that crap, they, they not crap, but you know that thing, that catalog they give you in schools where you order books? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, the Scholastic catalog. Yeah, okay, so did you have I that? I don't think yeah. we had that. You didn't have, wait, hold on, that's weird that Tim had it and you didn't. The Scholastic catalog? Did I, would I get it in school? In school, it was like a little um, two-page newsprint. <laughs> it was printed on, like, really bad paper, mm-hmm. but it was like a, like a two-page color catalog of, like, books. And it was all, like, kids' crap, like Babysitter's Club book that you could order like mail order, and your parents would like cut a check, and you'd bring it to school, and your teacher would order the books, and then the books would be delivered to the class. 
And it was basically for, it was trying to get kids to read. And the novelty was that it was like mail order, and they would send the books right to your classroom. And you would get a package. Mm-hmm. You get a package in the mail from the Scholastic Company that would arrive in the classroom. And of course, everybody loves getting a package in the mail. And so you go to third grade, and they're like, "And Sarah, here's a package for you." No, we never mm-hmm. had that. That sounds. Magical. Oh, it was right. Yeah, the books were always great. the markup on the books was a little, uh, it, it, a little crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like a book. Did you have to pay for the books? Oh yeah, no, it was like it was a book club. I mean, it was like it was a mail order. It was a mail order catalog. Um, and they sold books, and then a few, they sold books, they sold, like, binders, like, kind of wacky, sort of, like, Trapper Keeper stuff, and then they sold posters with, like, the cat hanging off a branch, and it was like, mm-hmm. it's almost Friday, that, uh, but here's the other thing, I bought all kinds of books uh, from that place, I mean, you know what, you know what I bought at one point from the Scholastic Catalog when I was a kid, I was in, like, second grade, the Scholastic Catalog sold me what purported to be a dinosaur bone. And you know what? Now that I think back in retrospect, I think I was uh, horked on that. I, I think I might have been gypped. I dispute that the Scholastic Company, for like $1.50, I, I dispute the Scholastic Company sold me a dinosaur bone for $1.50. I think they were making that up. I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that was real. So, and I'm kind of bitter about it, even now, like 30 years later. Here's Tim Riley. Yeah, we had that, that we had banking at school. Did you have that? No, Tim, we didn't have banking at school. Seriously. We, our people weren't taught to be bankers. Seriously. I Really, what kind of money do they expect you to have when you're going to grow up to be an unemployed pipe fitter? I mean, seriously. Every week, the bank would come by with your deposit envelope. Are you kidding statement. me? No. And okay. you would put money in it. Then it would come back the next week with a statement of how much money you have and how much you want to put in this week. And then you and Timothy Hutton would go play squash on the front lawn. I'm sorry. Did I sound bitter there for just a second? They never did anything like that with me. Was this so... Well, I mean, so it was a real bank, not like a fake bank. It, it, it was the uh, Second National Bank of Nashua. They would come by the school, uh, and so you... You would put money aside that you wanted to make a deposit. Now, was this money that, like, you of just your own or money that you earned at school by doing something? Uh, I think it had a paper route. Okay. And then so you would, like, bring in, like, 50 cents. Oh, no, it was more than that. Uh, of course it was. You would bring in your uh, vast uh, 75 treasure trove of dollars, <laughs> and you would put them in an envelope, and the bank would take it downtown and put it in your account. Mm-hmm. And then the next week, it will return with a, br- a fresh deposit, uh, a, a little folding envelope. And then showing your balance. Correct. That's interesting. Hmm. No, we didn't have anything like that. No, me neither. I think they just figured that if you grow up in Kennewick, you're never going to have any money. And if you have money, it's going to immediately go to booze and child support. Mm-hmm. And so you'll never have anything to save anyway. And plus, you'll probably have killed yourself by the time you're 30. So, I mean, really, well, what's the point of that? Um, no, we didn't have it. Sarah, do you have anything like that? No. no in Bramerton? No. No, we. I lived in like ghetto military bases. Yeah. So yeah, well, that's interesting. I'm kind of, I'm kind of jealous. That's, that's kind of cool. cool. It is. It's really cool. I'm I. Like you're the good one with money now, and since we didn't have there our young banking skills. See, they did not. That's my excuse, Tim. It was the school system that failed me, not myself. It was the system that let me down, Tim. Because that probably does. I mean, all kidding aside, that probably does teach you very early on, like you got to be good with money. Yes. All right. Yeah. See, that I am so uh, resentful about the American school system. I. I don't want to have this discussion because it's it's pointless now and it's, it's it really is a dead issue. But there was that what was that thing that measure 58 or whatever the thing about like you can only teach kids in their in their their native tongue for two years and then they got to start speaking English. Yeah, it was like 58 or 60. I can't remember. Yeah, and and you know and and uh, I went down in flames and I know a lot of people felt that it was like a, a racist uh, measure and that it was discriminatory and whatever. And I don't want to have this discussion because again it's, it's done and it's over and it's pointless. But in theory, I didn't think that was such a bad idea. Because, you know, that you take some kid who speaks whatever language and you say, look, uh, you know, you can go to school and you can speak, you know, we'll teach you. Like if you speak Spanish, look, we're, we'll teach you in Spanish for two years. Uh, but at the end of two years, like you're, you're going to be on English. 
And that didn't seem like such a bad idea to me. Because, you know, and here's, here's how I can prove, in my opinion anyway, I didn't feel that it was uh, racist. It, it, which I, and I say it that way always because of South Park. It is, uh, or like your Asian thing? Or, because well, of the Asian tagger? Uh, yeah, totally. Or it's like in Meaning of Life where I did not know we employed a racist. But, it, like, if you, if you came to me right now, if Portland came to me and they said, Rick, uh, Rick Emerson, voter, what would you feel about mandating that all children, after two years in school, must learn to speak Spanish. I'd vote for that in a heartbeat. Sure. If you said, look, you can speak English for two years, but after that, you're going to learn Spanish, whether you like it or not, I'd vote for that instantly. Absolutely. I'm bummed that I don't know another language. That's, I wish they had forced me to learn Spanish as a kid. I wish they had mandated, instead of this stupid like German or some crap you're never going to use, I, and not even in high school, I wish that in grade school they had mandated Spanish. So I had no problem with that. Because what it effectively did, and I know it was imperfect, but it seemed like it effectively mandated bilingualism. And you know what? That, 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 that is the biggest thing you can do to become successful in this country, is to learn a second language and a useful one at that. Mm. And really, the two you've got to know are English and Spanish. I mean, that's it, baby. You, whole sections of this country, you don't speak Spanish. You are screwed. You are in the cold. So, I mean, I wish I could learn it now. I wish I had the time, and I just don't feel like I do. Maybe I can get my mom to come and get her call in someday, and she can give us impromptu Spanish lessons. Seriously, I, I mean, I, I wish I could. Lauren, I've talked about taking night classes. She speaks it way better than I do because she travels to a lot of Spanish-speaking countries. But I wish I spoke Spanish. I really, you know, I've almost thought about, you know, the Mormons ought to farm that system out. Because the Mormons, they got the thing called the MTC, which is the Missionary Training Center. And that's like an immersion thing where you go there, and like at the end of six weeks, like you're speaking whatever it is. They drill it into you. So, anyway, I don't even know what we're talking about here. Blah, 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 Spanish, yada, yada. Oh, yeah, so they never taught me how to handle money in school, Tim, because I was a hick. Well, that's okay. It's never too late to open up a bank account. No, no, it's not, Tim. It's never uh, It's never too late. All right, here's Tim Riley. So here's how to get your dander up. Oh, God. I don't even dander is. Don't call about it. Here's no, Tim don't. Riley. An anti-gay church from Kansas. Come I don't know on. which one it is. Sorry, sorry. Plans to come to Silverton. Next week, after the town elected the nation's first openly transgendered mayor. And I like how it openly transgendered, as though you're not going to notice it's a dude with boobs. Yeah. Mm. All right. The, so West, the Westfield Baptist Church uh, ha, is uh, no for protesting, of course. Silverton's mayor-elect, Stu Rasmussen, said the protest is ironic considering he is not gay. Not gay. He's been with a woman for like 20 years. He's been with his living girlfriend for nearly 35 years. I dig that guy. Now, he's been a fixture in Silverton politics more than 20 years. We're talking about him all the time. Yeah, no, he, and I found out, I don't think you were here for this, I thought he owns that theater, which is why I was called him the transvestite ticket taker. I guess he's a transsexual. He owns that theater, which is why he's always there, and it's, it's a fantastic theater. So he expects the Church of Topeka to protest for about an hour next Monday, adding that the residents of Silverton will show them the city's usual hospitality and wait for them to leave. So wait, they're going to come all the way from Topeka, and they're only going to protest for an hour? Yeah. And I'm talking about people that just no follow What day are they coming? What time, Tim? Do you know? And it does say also, it says the group will also protest at PSU next week. Just because. As well as consulates of Sweden and Germany. <laughs> Retard. <laughs> That's just stupid. Is that like while you're in town, you'll also try to see cats? Mm. Uh, so they're going to Silverton. I mean, by their own, like, stupid, broken logic, I can almost see the Silverton thing. Okay, he, he's a man with boobs. Okay, whatever. Why aren't the first of all? Why aren't they, I'm not trying to encourage them, but why aren't they going to the guy's house, the guy who the the man who got pregnant? Why aren't they going there? I mean, I'm not saying they should. They're just like there's no consistency to this. Mm -hmm. If you're gonna protest a guy, attention idiots from Topeka, 
So you're protesting a guy who, in fact, is straight and has sex with a woman, as God mandates. But it looks like a woman and woman, Rick. But you're, but they're not going to the the woman who is now a man. Uh, never mind. And then, and then they're going that to might the, be on the next tour. And they're going to the Swedish consulate. Yeah, I don't know for what. All right. Uh, somebody needs to find out when that Westboro Church uh, is going to be here, and and what time and whatever. Mm-hmm. Should give them a Rick Emerson show welcome. Here's Tim Riley. Maybe the street team could help us out. On it's that. A, the thing is, aren't you, don't you agree that it's almost, we're at a certain point now where it's almost just hard to even get angry at them? Because mm. they're just such retards. I mean, I just feel sorry sometimes for people like that who are just so close-minded. They cannot be happy. See, I don't feel sorry for them. I feel sorry for their idiot. I'm sorry well, for I hate how rude and disrespectful I, they've been and how many like special moments they've ruined in people's lives because they're like such military big, funerals. Yeah. And, yeah. No, I don't feel sorry for them. I do feel sorry uh, for kids who grow up uh, in that because, you know, have you ever, I mean, have you ever seen... Like, I would encourage you, you get a few, few uh, you know, like, you get about 10, 20 minutes, read the Wikipedia entry on the Westboro Church, which is a Fred Phelps thing. I mean, it's long. It's terrifying, though. I mean, it really is terrifying. Because, you know, about 80% of the people in that church are his direct blood relatives. I mean, they're, I think they're just one step shy of inbreeding there. I mean, really, I mean, scientifically speaking. He's clearly just a nutcase. Uh, but most of the most of the people in that family are his relatives. Because, of course, you know, nobody wants to go join some pack of gibbering nitwits. So, but, the, but you know, I feel sorry for is these kids who are born to this uh, idiot group, mm-hmm. and then they grow up. And I mean, I know when you age, reach the age of reason, you can you know kind of figure things out for yourself. But it's going to be doubly hard if you're growing up with some jackass family that's filling your head so well. You know, it's like when you see those. This is a thing that'll make you the, the, the urge to the urge to just go give a guy a bunch of fives, as they say in Britain. It's like when you see one of those retarded clan rallies. And they always got like the little kid in the in the hood in the robe. Yeah, he's like five, true. and he's holding a sign like "White Pride," and you just, you know, and you just want to go like stick the kid in the back of a Winnebago and just drive him somewhere and just kick him out, knowing he'll be better off wherever he lands. All right, I'm sorry. Here's Tim Riley. And uh, speaking of foolish people, here's uh, Mike Huckabee on uh, television making some foolish comments. And I am deeply proud of the country that it looked past race this year, mm-hmm. and it elected somebody not because he was or in spite of but with indifference to his color. And I think that all Americans, Republican, Democrat, left, right, can be very proud that our nation has, in fact, moved forward. And, yes, and, and that's a yeah. great moment. I remember segregation as a kid. I remember the horror of it. I remember the separate uh, water fountains and entrances and theater uh, seats and doctor office waiting rooms. And it's repulsive, and it's, it's an evil part of our nation's history, something that I hope all of us will never forget but never repeat. Mm-hmm. And for us to stand there that day and to see Barack Obama take the stage, to realize 50 years ago Quit he talking. served coffee in the White House, and now he will be the resident of the White House. Yeah, yeah. We have to take some pride in that as America. Stop. Your 15 minutes have elapsed, sir. I'm very passionate. But do you feel that way about gay rights, too? Here we go. It's a different uh, set of rights. I think uh, people who are homosexual should have every right yeah. in terms of their civil rights to be employed to do anything they want uh-huh. but that's not really the issue I, I know you guys talked about it I, I think you kinda got into it a little bit here early on <laughs> but when we're talking about a redefinition of an institution that's different than individual civil rights and you know I, 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 we're never going to convince each other 
Uh, well, segregation was an institution, too, in a way. You know, it was, it was right well, there. That's crazy well, talk. Uh, uh, Joy Bahar. Bull Connor was hosing people down in the streets of Alabama. You had John Lewis getting his skull cracked on the bridges of Selma. Uh, look, it's that's wrong. Gay bashing goes on, too. There's Christian bashing. Look at what happened to the lady. And she's out there. Well, here's the question I have for you, Tim. Why is, why is he on camera? In other words, what is Mike Huckabee running for? It's like, you know, nobody goes on Leno unless they got a, something to post. All, all the losing Republicans are looking for book deals now. And do you suppose, is that the yeah. thing? They... Well, what else is there left? Their party's crumbled. Well, that's they, a good point. I mean, they're, they're preaching to their choir, the hardcore right-wingers. Boy, it's... Uh, they're well, them to buy books. I, you know, that, that is really true. So I'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, they, you're probably right. You know what it is? Because they got so badly hosed in this last election. And it probably, don't you feel there's probably a power vacuum? Oh, yeah. They figure that look, nobody's run on the joint right now because mm. everybody just got crushed. Mm. Even John McCain said he wasn't quite sure if he was going to run for the Senate again, although I guess he said he has. Now he's decided he's going to. But um, So they probably figured that there's nobody with their hand on the wheel. So it's like whoever can fight their way to the top of the hill gets to run the Republican Party now. And the only thing they're sure of is the right wing will always be there, even yeah. though it's a small part. It's what was running the party, but yeah. it's pretty much disintegrated. But they can pick up the scraps and sell a few books. You know you know what it is? Here's what the Republican Party is. Um, what would you rather hear, uh, Sarah? Would you rather hear a, uh, a geeky analogy or a you know, somewhat awkward analogy? I guess awkward. Really? Sure. Okay. You asked for it. I think that the Republican Party is like, it's like, um, you ladies may know about this. It's like when you're spending special time with a man or whoever, uh, spending intimate time with someone, engaging in an act of, an act of love. And that person clearly uh, just has one move, one move that worked one time on some other person they were with. And like, so that's like, the, that's like the one, that's like the one maneuver they got. And I think, you know, probably, women probably have to deal with that more than guys, because guys are pretty simple creatures. Sarah's nodding her head sagely. But, you know, you women, I think, they have to deal with that, where you're with some jackass guy who, who has like the, the one very limited maneuver and technique he picked up. And like, that's it. And he figures that's enough. Like, they have like a stock option, like a stock saying of what they, you know. Yes, exactly. And like they figure that's enough to get the job done because mm -hmm. it worked once. Why not do it over and over and over and over again every time? It's just kind of creepy. And the women are just there, kind of going, I could be reading the collected works of James Joyce. Uh, no, no, it's no. It was good for me. All right, I'm gonna go to the kitchen. Uh, you know, that's kind of what it is. And, and that's what the Republican Party is right now. The Republican Party figured out this one little maneuver that worked. Which is to get people all like cranked up about like you know about gay rights and you know, the, 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 the who's teaching your children? What about look at that guy over there? Build a wall! Just all you know, all this like weird cultural issue stuff because it worked for a little while, but it's like they just kept doing it and doing it and doing it, and it stopped working. And the I think in this last election, America kind of just said enough of that. Like we need jobs, but the problem is um, the Republican Party was so bent on this one this one tactic that they have never bothered to learn, like, an another way to get people on their side. So now they're left with, as Tim just said, the Republican Party is left with only this, like, hardcore right-wing moral issues base. And because the rest of the country, I think, finally woke up early this year and went, wait a minute, we've, our economy is, I don't, I can't buy anything. 
You know, and so they move well, on. Our party is for, uh, well, uh, no laws or any conditions on business. Let right. them do as they please. Right. That'll work. It'll be the trickle-down theory. It trickles down. As our hero Ronald Reagan once told yeah. us. The, and don't you, don't you agree, Tim, that just in terms of public perception, and again, I, I have many friends who are Republicans, uh, but... And we do, you know, we hear from a lot of people, even in the a lot of people voted for McCain. Would you not agree, though, Tim? with Scotty, and he was a Republican. That is true. We had one working here at one time. I wonder if he's really happy about how the economy's gone. Um, but would you not agree, Tim, that in terms of, I'm not saying the Republicans are all like this, but in terms of public perception, that the Republican Party, if you go to the average person, especially the average person under the age of 30, and you know, think about maybe Sarah's friends, you go up to the average person under the age of 30 and ask them, the Republican Party just seems like the party of angry old people. Those are the kind of people who scream, the big bands are coming back. Exactly. exactly. Being an under-30 person, that is exactly what I view it to they, they seem like bitter, angry, crazy old people. Well, that's what lost me with McCain, especially not just the content of what she was saying, but the lack of control that he had over how right. he was saying it. He just seemed senile. They just seem like... crazy, and then not like up to the times. They seem like some nutcase, older, angry relative of yours who smells like polygrip and keeps talking about doing the Lindy Hop. So, all right. Well, what's, what's happened this time around is, you know, the Vietnam generation never won one. Right. So now they have to go sit in the background because that was all their foreign policy, policy was based on. Right, right. They want a revenge. Right. Well, it didn't work. No, no, it did not. So, oh. and now a, a newer generation is uh, coming into power. And leaving them wherever they're being left. I it guess. is. I mean, but it is. And it is. You said it, it's almost like it did skip a generation in mm-hmm. some ways because they had their shot and, they, and their their tactic didn't really work. And now it is. You know, it's Barack Obama who's what, he's forty seven. Yeah. So forty seven, but still, I mean, you know, attitudinally at least seems uh, seems much younger. Right. So, all right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. So the Al Qaeda chief calls Obama, Rice, and Powell house slaves. Al Qaeda's number two leader, whoever he is. Use the racial epithet. Again? Yes. Well, they keep moving up in rank. Because we keep blowing them up. Yes. So I, uh, this guy's name, well, I can't pronounce it. Not that it matters. He'll be dead in six months. The message also includes old footage of speeches by Malcolm X, in which he explains the term, saying black slaves who worked in their white man's master house were more uh, servile than those who worked in the fields. Where do they get all this footage? I don't know. Is there like an archival library for Al- Does Al-Qaeda have access to like LexisNexis or something? Or? I suppose so. Oh, all right. So, so much for that. Oh, there you go. They're crazy. Uh, are they still broadcasting out of caves? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's maybe why you can't recruit more people to your cause, because you're, you're living in a thing carved out of a piece of rock. No one wants to do that. Uh, at least offer a dental plan or something. Stag a break back after this. It's only 1230, actually. It seemed like it was much later. We've got all the time in the world to do news. So wallow in it. Uh, all right. Tim Riley returns around the corner. Uh, we got more of your calls coming up later on. Ed McCarthy and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere.
the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, so it is It is the New York Times for which Mitt Romney wrote this uh, editorial. It just says, uh, let Detroit go bankrupt. Uh-huh. All right. Well, there you go. Now, his dad ran American Motors. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, okay. There you go. All I knew was he uh, didn't want to be uh, part of the Washington elite. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to be part of the moneyed class. His dad was uh, George Romney, who ran for president way back when. Oh, yeah. I did know Same that, family. actually. Yeah. All right. I wonder if he had weird plasticky Ken doll hair as well. I don't know. Uh, incidentally, uh, somebody sent me the itinerary for the uh, for the folks at the uh, Westboro Church or whatever the hell that nitwit group. So let's see. They got a whole. It's they have a whole nationwide tour. They're going to be in La Jolla, followed by Glendale. Uh, let's see. Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. Detroit really needs more things to go wrong there right now. And things are so cheery anyway. Uh, Omaha, 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 Omaha. Jesus, Omaha. Uh, let's see, here we go, uh, Portland, uh, gonna be PSU, followed by, yes, at 8.45 on the 24th, which is next Monday, yes, they'll be at the Swedish consulate, and then it just says, who knew there was a Swedish consulate here? Are you at their horrible website? I am, but do you suppose, I mean, this is the part you want to believe that it's almost like some weird performance art project? Does CBS let you go to that website? It's a news uh, show, Sarah. We can go to uh, whatever we want. Haven't you noticed that people just view actual pornography in the studio sometimes? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's that. It's that slash. I hate that word so much. Uh, yeah, it is that. Uh, the yes. Yes. And also uh, Belgium. Uh, yeah, it's the God hates uh, you know blanks dot com slash schedule dot html. Uh, anyway, so but I mean, it's, like, how can somebody possibly be this dense? Uh, but they've been, so uh, God hates Sweden, uh, I guess. Followed by. Why are they picketing Swedish people? I don't know. And then they go, but then they're going to the German consulate half an hour later. But Germany, of course, as they always do, they get a special brunt. It says all caps. God really hates Germany. Followed by Silverton. So they're going to be on uh, Water Street in Silverton at 11:30 uh, next Monday. I'm just putting that information out there. I'm of course not. Uh, not telling anybody what to do. Not telling or anybody that they should do it. Post the information somewhere so that we'll be able just, to maybe uh, stop by and say hello. Well, you know, I well, believe I'm, in... I'm sure they're going to welcome fruit basket from someone. A fruit basket. <laughs> we should totally send them a fruit basket, but just like we no, it doesn't really work. We should send a lot of people to just hug them. No, but I'm trying to think of how I can send them. I'm trying to think of how I can how I can make a real life fruit basket, if you know what I mean. No, I don't have anything. Um, all right. Well, there you we go. We're picturing like a bunch of flamboyantly guest draymen. In the massive and, basket, Like though. in the Fruit of the Loom costumes? But in a huge, but like in a huge wicker basket with the bottom cut out so they can walk. See, but how that's, how I wanted that to be funny, even though it's not. By the way, speaking of wicker baskets, uh, for those of you playing the Rick Emerson and his new dog home game, uh, I did come home the other day, and the new dog, Philo, had in fact uh, not eaten as such, but just chewed and destroyed an entire corner of Max's wicker basket. So... That's a, it's a great deal of fun. So, <laughs> well, I spent several days ill with two dogs who thought I was home for their amusement. Right? Oh no, they always do. <laughs> Jump on your sternum. Yeah. Now they uh, they always think you're there to be like some sort of a weird like playground set to climb on. Did you read uh, these descriptions? I'm sorry about like the Germany thing. German consulate. God really really hates Germany. Yeah. yeah. No, he hella it's like a hates child. Them. Like that little child going nuts on a typewriter. It's almost like it was written by somebody with a tiny brain. Yeah, no, the dog totally thinks that you're like a swing set uh, uh, at the community rec center to just be jumping. And it's always while you're asleep, you know. Yeah! And, you know, there's a dog doing it, a CPR by jumping on your rib cage. Mm-hmm. By the way, two small notes. One, uh, so when everybody goes through this uh, phase with the dog. But Philo uh, is at the phase now where he just it, he just whines constantly all the time for no reason. Nothing's wrong. He'll have been fed. He's gone out. He's slept. He's whatever. And he just, you know, sits there. And it's like his default mode. 
kind of like how, you know, I think they say like babies, they just make noise because they figure out they can and they just sort of like it. So finally we'll just, you know, and of course, but the thing is you can't do anything about it. You're not ever supposed to respond to it because any response tells them that they can get your attention by whining. So unless there was something wrong with them, you just have to wait it out. You just can't do anything. So there's that. Also, uh, my dog walker called me and left me. Actually, it wasn't even my dog walker. It was her girlfriend called me and left a message this morning. like, hey, this is uh, so-and-so's uh, partner. Um, yeah, she's um, vomiting all over the bathroom today, so I don't think she's going to be able to come by. So, you know, the dogs have been left to their own devices. I'm sure you want that's me gonna... to walk your dog this afternoon? Well, I appreciate that. I was actually thinking about it. Um, I might, at the end of the show, I might take you up on that. Depends on my okay. schedule. Yeah, actually, might... yeah, it's like all dog week all the time for yeah. me because I'm watching yeah, my friend's dog. I might ask you about that. So. That's fun. So they'll have undoubtedly built some sort of small nuclear device by the time I get home. Here's Tim Riley. So it looks like the most exciting thing outside of the uh, auto people is the fact that Hillary Clinton is the front runner for the Secretary of State's job. Now, Bill Clinton has to uh, come clean and say where he gets all his money and from whom. Uh, it'll, he's, uh, let's see, he's got to make a list. Who knows if it's going to be a complete list of major donors to his charitable foundation and will submit future foundation activities and paid speeches to a strict ethics committee. By the way, I remember last time Bill Clinton had to give a strict accounting of something to an ethics committee and he uh, he managed to leave some stuff off that list. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. So. so we'll see what happens. With well, that. So he's really the fly in the ointment here. In other words, yes. If Hillary doesn't get the job somehow, it's going to be not because of her. It's going to be because of Bill Clinton, because he's got his fingers in so many different pies and so forth. Right. He, he took her off her. Uh, she took him off her resume. Totally. Under reference, yeah. it's been blacked out. Uh, you know, called Barney Frank right over the top of that. How I mean, how weird, though, that Hillary Clinton might be secretary of state. It's just strange, man. I know it is. I mean, it's kind of cool, though, because that's like being a second president almost. Mm -hmm. It's like being you know what it is. That's like being um, it's like heading it's like it's like being the, the overseas president of an American company. Like, you know, president of uh, Applebee's in America is so-and-so, but the European president of Applebee's is. It's like being the president for the rest of the world. And plus, it will further irritate my in-laws, who now not only have to deal with Obama being president, they have to deal with Hillary Clinton being secretary of state and Hillary Clinton in a job that will totally prepare her to run for president and win. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a good time to be me. I'm happy about this. A body has been found on a trail near TV Highway. Washington County Sheriff's deputies are investigating that body found on a trail near TV Highway and Farmington Road. Somebody found the body and called police. They were identifying the person and investigating the cause of death. No more details available as of yet. So getting back to these greedy automakers. The CEOs of the big three flew to the nation's capital in luxurious private jets to make their case to Washington that the auto industry is running out of cash and they need $25 billion in taxpayer money to avoid bankruptcy. So, did they all fly together? They can't even be bothered to use their own products to get to the meeting. Well, they flew in GM's $36 million luxury aircraft. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Jesus. To tell Congress that they're burning through cash. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh. This uh, <laughs> this G4 private jet is parked at Dulles Airport. It is just one of a fleet of luxury jets owned by GM. They continue to ferry executives around the world, despite the company's financial dire straits. Uh, have they actually gotten into such bad trouble they have fired the PR person who almost certainly would have told them that's a bad idea? So this private jet trip cost the Elling Company an estimated $20,000 for the round trip. That's wonderful. In comparison, seats on Northwest Airlines Flight 2364 from Detroit to Washington are going on live for $288 of coach and $837 first class. Well, Tim, they could have used Priceline and, uh, you know, left at 3 a.m. with no notice but only paid like $4. I know. I did that last time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. 
so the corporate jet is a perk, including... Oh, Oh, the CEO and his wife travel on it a lot. Well, it's part of the $28 million salary he's given. Well, good for him. Oh, and this uh, fellow who runs uh, Ford, Mulally, he actually lives in Seattle, not Detroit. The company jet takes him home and back on weekends. You know, don't you think at a certain point, Congress, as much as, you know, Congress is just ineffective and pointless, mm-hmm. that they ought to just be able to hold that up as like on a big, like on an easel. Mm-hmm. You know, exhibit number, like cash flow, and it's like the line going down. Amount of I still don't understand what's wrong here. <laughs> there is amount of compensation and jets lying going up, and then there ought to be just some official like congressional resolution. One of it's the get bent resolution where they just and I want Congress to have one of those big red stamps, but one that just no, you know, just a huge letter, just you know, f off. Oh, Dodd really, I mean, launched into them yesterday. Well, I mean, just a, seriously, just a sack on those guys. Mm-hmm. I know that it's America, and you got to get what you know, try to get a piece if you can get a piece. But I mean, it's just. What is it that, what's it, what is it that, that, that uh, uh, was it, who was it that said it to McCarthy? It wasn't Murrow. Who was it that said, at long last, have you no shame? Oh, I can't remember the guy's name, but I know who you're You know, the, the guy, yeah, he was still being interrogated by Joseph McCarthy, and he said, have you no shame, Senator, at long last, oh, no, decency. Have you no decency? Uh, I, I really demand that somebody, that a really futile and stupid public gesture be made at the auto industry, about $28 million, and they're giving his fat ass a, a private jet. But, but... You have to realize that they are carpooling because <laughs> they this launch GM, he's taking the guy from Ford and Chrysler aboard the same flight. So I wonder, they are saving. I wonder if one of the guys on that flight lives way out of the way and they just they didn't want to take him, but it's like they have to bowl with him later and if you know and he's gonna be real dick about it if they don't pick him up and you know, and the whole time they were flying he just wanted to talk and talk and meanwhile they wanted to stop and get a bear claw. Mm-hmm. Jesus. I don't mean to sound hard-hearted, because I know that we have uh, listeners in Michigan. Uh, we have listeners in Flint, Michigan, which is, boy, I mean, I hate to keep picking on Flint, but I mean, they are sort of, you know, but because of Roger and me, they've become just so much the emblem mm-hmm. for a bad place to live and a, com- and, a, and a city that goes boom and bust based on one economy, you know, based on one industry. Uh, one, I mean, do you suppose things can even get any worse in Flint? Or are they just some sort of rock layer where, like, you know, well, it can't get any worse for me? You know, I mean, you're already, like, living in an adobe hut somewhere, you know, and you're know, eating the, the family skunk. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, it's so hard for me to have any sympathy uh, at all. All right, well, all right. So let's around. listen to them talk, shall we? Can we? This is uh, GM Chairman Richard Wagner, who says his company has been hurt by the bad economy. Our industry has been hit very hard by the global financial market crisis. And the recent plunge in vehicle sales threatens not only General Motors' ongoing turnaround, but our very survival. I like how he says ongoing turnaround. We're fighting for a right to live. Like To exist. I I like how he says... Ongoing turnaround, though, like they were just days away from getting their act together. Mm-hmm. Like, but damn, we know, seriously, next week we were going to be putting out nothing but electric cars that cost $5 and then ran out of cash. Like it was just on the horizon mm-hmm. when this happened. Chrysler CEO Richard Nardelli defends his plea for federal emergency aid. We're asking for assistance for one reason, to address the devastating automotive industry recession caused by our nation's financial meltdown. With credit markets frozen, the average working American can't get competitive financing to purchase or lease vehicles. Seriously, friend, eat a bag. Eat a full bag of it, okay? Just Has anybody, you were talking about Christopher Dodd, had, has, at any point... I mean, this sounds like something that is so obvious, but you wonder if maybe the obvious things are the things that don't get done. At any point, has any member of Congress stood up and said, why do you keep taking $28 million a year? 
you dick, because you clearly can't run the company, could not find your ass with two hands and a flashlight, and you are taking $28 million a year to ruin a company. I mean, you're basically being paid to fail, yeah. which is like, remember that thing in the 80s we were paying farmers not to grow wheat? It's like now we're paying Detroit not to sell cars. We're paying you not to turn a profit. Has anybody asked them why, like, how can you sleep at night taking uh, this money? Nobody. I mean, what, but, that would be the first thing I'd ask. And the other point is, since this is a free market economy and companies do merge, why is it, it that they're trying to approach other automakers in other countries to buy at least a piece of this so they don't have to go to the government? Hey, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. Why the didn't Japanese, the Germans, people who actually build things. Why didn't Toyota buy uh, one of these companies? Sure. And, you know, the thing is, Americans might, would probably be horrified by that. But, I mean, A... And no better or worse. In fact, it's better than the government coming in and taking a, uh, taking a stake in this. And also, and by the way, just can you imagine how incompetent that organization would be? The merging of the federal government and the U.S. auto industry. No. It'd be like they're going to make cars that fall apart, but don't worry, because they're going to take 30 years to get them built. I mean, the confluence of all, it is like that is the world's largest ball of suck right there. If you were to get left and. And I think you made this point, Tim. I was talking to um, to Joni DeRoshi about this. We were talking about Barack Obama, socialist, and how I mean, the, the government actually then taking an ownership of the company. That actually is socialism. Yes, it is. That's not like sort of a fake socialism you say because Sarah Palin's trying to get into the into the you know the White House. Then that, that's actual real socialism. Mm -hmm. So it is interesting to know why Toya hasn't done that. Although that then raises more questions in my head that I don't know the answers to because you know my dad. And, you know, my dad's no roadmap because he's an idiot and, a, you know, and a pinhead and everything. But, you know, and he's just, my, my dad was one of those guys who's just, you know, such a redneck and just so fearful and hateful of, like, foreigners and whatever. But I remember my dad would always criticize certain late model American cars saying that they weren't really American cars. And then my dad was, you know, and, you know, he would always say, well, you know, that's not really American cars. Get one of them Japanese, although he frequently used a less polite term. And we got one of them Japanese engines in it. And so it was like it wasn't even really an actual American carbon deck because a part of it was made in like you know Tokyo or something. So, um, so a yeah, why hasn't somebody? Why isn't like I don't know the guy who take it? What, what's it? What's a company right now that really because of market forces saw one of their flagship products like maybe Sony or something? Yeah. You know they're not selling all those Walkmans now. Maybe Sony could just go or Nintendo could just go like look uh, right now. Look, Nintendo used to make playing cards. That was what the Nintendo company was founded. They made playing cards forever. Now they make electronics and video games. They can start making cars. I'd buy a car from Nintendo. You know what? I had a Nintendo. That thing worked every single time I plugged it in. I, I can count on zero fingers the number of times I plugged in my Nintendo and hit start, and it didn't work. So maybe Microsoft ought to do this. Google. Google should buy one of the car companies. Google should take over the Yeah, world. they can buy anything. And, they can, and you know what? Hey, all their stuff works, jackasses. And oh, what's that? Oh, they make money. How about Apple? Remember being told, well, you know what? I'd buy a car made by Apple. I mean, if I could afford to. An iCar. I would never, I'd never be able, I'd have to work several lifetimes to afford it, probably. But I would buy a car from Apple if I had the money. And I will tell you this, remember when everybody was saying, like, you know, you can't make money on the Internet. The Internet's impossible to make. That's what the, 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 the stupid movie studios kept saying. They're trying to screw writers and actors yes, out know. of their, uh, you know that, Tim. Uh, someone like you knows that. You know, movie studios are like, we can't pay you net residuals, acting guy. You can't make money on the Internet. And you would see that on a news report on MSNBC.com that had like nine commercials before it. So Google, of course, you know, makes money hand over freaking fist. 
we really ought to push right. We ought to start a movement. Like when you, when you draft somebody for president, mm-hmm. you know, like when you, you whatever, the, there's a movement by the people to get a guy to run for president. We ought to start a movement right now for Google to buy one of the car companies. And I'm not just saying that because it's sort of a funny, wacky idea. That is a, that's a great idea. I would trust them implicitly to do that. I would, with, with no difficulty at all, I would hand the keys of an auto company over to Google. In fact, I'm surprised somebody else. You know, Tim, it took this show to mention that. Mm-hmm. We're geniuses. Or Starbucks. That's, well, no. That's, did you see how much Starbucks profits are down? Yes. 97%. Oh, I find that difficult wow. To Bad burnt coffee that's overpriced. That's a failing business. Do you think they've seen their time? You think it's a downward spiral? I don't think they're going to go away. They're selling an addictive substance, after all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, you know, scientifically speaking, if you sell something that is physically addictive, that tends to be a growth industry. But profits, this, I mean, and I didn't believe it either until I saw it reported like nine different places. They're down 97%. How is that possible? And that's what I asked. Like, how is that even possible? But, every, but the, the freaking CNN said it. Ali Belshi, Starbucks, the major loser, profits down 97%. I was on the, and I was on the couch, and I just kind of said, and I went, wow. <laughs> and, I just, and then I just went back to eating. But, I mean, I mean you know, coffee will always be around. It is, it is an addictive substance and a, and a tasty one. Um, but, I mean, you know, I mean, Starbucks has certainly made money, uh, you know, but, but, you know, it, it is amazing that nobody has postulated what would happen if, like, Microsoft or somebody bought the car industry. Huh, interesting. It'll be great. KCMD Portland. You get the blue screen every time you turn it on. Microsoft? Yeah. If if Microsoft made your car, you'd have to stop in the middle of the highway a couple times a day and just start it from scratch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just uh and every now every now and again your car would just spring leaks. And then you hear that boing sound. <laughs> you mean the uh stop right in the middle hold of the on, highway. I, no, that's not it. What did I mean to do here? You're going sixty miles an hour. All of a sudden car No no no, no, there's a train coming. Oh, for the love of God! No, we're all... I can't feel my legs! Um, yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, that's what would happen if Microsoft made cars. But, but I... We really... I'm going to look into that after the show. I'm going to find... Uh, I don't know anybody who works at Google. Although we might, you know, I've, have you ever taken a look at the... Um, have I ever showed you guys the printout of people who listen to us online? No. Not like no. a person by person. We don't consider that. But we, you know what we can see? We can see the country they're mm. in. We can see... Uh, what internet you provider they use, we can see what their uh, you know like their ISP is and what, how they found the site. But a lot of time we see a lot of people at tech companies who listen mm. because their ISP is like they are listening from inside like Microsoft.com or whatever. That, that is growth part of the business yeah. more so than over the air. Uh, isn't there a Yahoo company around here somewhere? Yes, there is. It's it's in my neighborhood. Uh, you know they listen to us sell. there. There is uh, at Yahoo's uh, at Yahoo's building in the Tanisborn area. Mm-hmm. We are huge at Yahoo, and I'm not saying that like they listen to us. Yeah, no. I mean, I can. Awesome. I've seen the web traffic, and at Yahoo, there's a lot of listening at the Yahoo company to this show. Uh, also at Microsoft, I should check and see if we have listeners at Google. Um, well, I want to see this uh, this sheet, this rundown sheet. Too, it's like pretty that. fascinating. Like to see where we're like we're big in Russia for some reason. Um, Hey, so uh, seriously, anybody out there, if you're working at Google, you give me like a phone number for, uh, you know, send me like, what's his name? Bryn, what's his guts, his uh, phone number, you know, just call me, or that guy, Sergi, what's his name? You just uh, let me know. I'm going to ask why Google won't build cars. All right, here's Tim Riley. And now back to the cars. Michigan Republican Congressman Brett Upton warns of dire consequences if the big three fail. If we lose one of the big three. We'll lose literally perhaps as many as two and a half million jobs almost overnight, and the ripple effect will be devastating on the national scale. You know, but haven't we, 
I don't mean, again, mean to sound callous. We've got a lot of listeners who have lost jobs. We here have all been unemployed a time or two. So I, I really honestly am not trying to be, you know, diminish that I make light of it. But we're like losing jobs by the score anyway. Mm. I mean, that's the thing. We're losing jobs already. Then let's start something new. So, so I mean, uh, I, I, this idea that no, 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 if, if we if we don't do something, the economy might go in the toilet. And plus, does it tell you? And I, I was mentioning this to Lisa. Like I said, this does it tell you something that the auto industry can't get a loan from like a regular bank? Mm. Like a regular bank is going no. No, you're a bad risk, and we'll never get it back. Your FICO score, denied. <laughs> I'm sorry, girlfriend. Bam! No, you are denied, sweetie. So so instead of, it's like the bank, I mean, the bank, they're the people who lend money. They won't give the auto companies any, any money. So instead, what are they doing? They're taking Tim Riley's money and Sarah Dillon's money and my money, and they're giving it to the car industry, money that we will never get back. The bank won't lend the money, so they're just going to lend them our money instead. And so, I would buy an American car anyway. Oh. All right. I do drive an American car, by the way. I will say that. But you know what? I'll say this. I bought a small, and this is before the whole crisis of whatever, I bought a small, fuel-efficient economy car. You know why? One of the good ones. Yeah, because well, that's, 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 uh, that's what Americans are buying right now. That's what I bought, wait for it, a car I could afford. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello, Rick Emerson. Hey, what's up? Hey, uh, I won the contest for the ski stuff, and uh, Richie wanted me to sing uh, part of a Bonnie Tyler song. Wait, so you are one of the random on-air callers. Uh, yeah. You've won a four-pack of ski tickets, and you will go on the drawing to win a brand-new no. new brand snowboard. On KCMD Portland. Well, wait a minute. Yeah, on KCMD. Uh, uh, that. My question is here, is it four or is it two? I think it is two separate four-packs. In other words, there's two people today, and they're uh -huh. each going to win a four-pack of lift tickets, That's as I understand it. Oh, that's as you understand. Okay. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's free. Quit your bitching. Um, well, I'm not bitching. I know. I think it is two four-packs. So it's like you and then some other person will win a four-pack. And then, yeah, y'all go into a drawing. And I think tomorrow, one of the qualifiers who's won the four-pack of lift tickets uh, will win a brand-new snowboard from GNU, which is in Susan's office right now, which is fantastic. All right. Uh, please now to sing, then, uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Once upon a time, I was falling in love. But now I'm only falling apart. Nothing I can say. Total eclipse of the heart. Well done, sir. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. Thank can you for listening. Can I plug my band for a December 6th show at SecureCon? Oh, why not? Okay. Last Empire. Uh, if you love power metal, come down and uh, check us out. All right. Excellent. Well, if he sounds like we just heard. Hey, wait a minute. Last Empire. Did you guys have that CD that was all gold and yellow and green with the dragon? Probably. It, it, it was, yeah, it was, and there was, there was quite literally a dragon on the front cover, right? Yeah, with a guy stabbing it in the head, yeah, riding I, it. Yeah, I own that CD. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Sweet. Well, well done, sir. Thank you. All right, thank you. All right, Sarah just had to duck out of the studio. You just missed that. Did he sing something? He sang Total Eclipse of the Heart. Oh, man. I guess the band's going to sing it on stage. I'll listen to it on the podcast where it'll live forever. They're totally going to sing it power metal style. Uh -huh. mm, uh, I'm not going to do it now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey, you know those butt-faced churchgoers you wanted to send the uh, fruit basket to? The what? The butt-faced churchgoers? Butt-faced churchgoers, yes, the Westboro's Church uh, from Topeka, yes. You should send them a durian fruit basket. Oh, I, with Richie's rotting yes. Vietnamese fruit. <laughs> All right, awesome. well, well, we'll take another advisement, sir. Thank you. All right, hey, one more thing. Yeah. Come on. All right, thank you. Come on. Uh, by the way, Nickelback on Jay Leno tonight. Hi, you're on the Ray, uh, Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Sweet, maybe we can catch that live, huh? I'm hoping to, sir. Awesome. Hey, a couple things about cars. First off, uh, Microsoft building cars 
you get the red ring of death, you got to box your car up and send it back to Microsoft. So in the original packaging. Right. After being told just to, like, plug your car in and unplug it several hundred times. Exactly. By a guy who can't really speak the language, yes. Or drive it into the yeah. Genius Bar. <laughs> there you go. Now, I got a Subaru, which was built in America. Right. American jobs, you know, built right here in Indiana. So I don't know why the big auto industry is such a big deal when, you know, Japanese companies are making them here. Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like if you buy, it doesn't matter if you buy, a, 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 like, a, like because a, Nissan, that's a, that's based in Japan, right? Yeah. That is a Japanese company. So, you know, you buy a Sentra or whatever the hell. Uh, uh, I've got a Toyota built here in America. Yeah. I mean, so that, see, so that makes even less sense. Um, you know, that they are, in fact, foreign car companies. And look, I'm all for kind of keeping money in a, in a, in a community, but by the same token, you know, we all live in, Keeping you know, yeah, we all live in one big world. And, you know, frankly, as you just said, is a Japanese company building the cars in America, paying American workers. So, exactly. you know, it, it really is. Look, it be, you know what? It, people either buy your products or they don't. So exactly. don't hey, one other thing. Yeah. Chevy's new answer to the new hybrid thing. Mm -hmm. They've got a new Escalade hybrid. An Escalade, so that that'd be like that. I keep saying they ought to make a hybrid Hummer. You know what I mean? That'd be sort of quintessentially American. They're like a solar powered Hummer. A little bit bigger than a Hummer. Of course it is. The longer. I mean, they really ten to thirteen miles a gallon in the city. Don't come on. I saw there was an article in the Portland Tribune that we talked about where they were interviewing people. They were like, "Who still drives Hummers?" And they interviewed some some guy lives in like. He did literally live in, like, Malala, and he drove a Hummer to work in Portland every day. They're like, how many miles a gallon? Eleven. And so, um, but don't you think they should do this? Here's what they'd solve all the problems. I'm amazed they haven't done this. And don't tell me that they don't have the technology to do it. That is just a lie. That, that answer no longer works. Don't you think they should build a solar-powered Hummer? Because then you could drive it without guilt. You know what well, I mean? The roof is big and flat. That'd that, be easy to put. Seriously, you what, you're telling me that the roof of a Hummer, those things are the size of a tank. You yeah, can't put a solar panel on top of a Hummer that'll work the engine. Not I mean, me. and you're never driving those things at more than 50 well, miles an hour anyway. Of course, the thing weighs about 10 tons, though, so it takes a little more power. You know, to drive. if any country can do it, sir, it's this country. That's true. We are the country of MythBusters. There you go. All right, thank you. Thanks, Rick. All right, there you go. I mean, if they made a solar-powered Hummer, I'd buy that just to encourage them, because then. And all of your objections about driving a Hummer would vanish, you know? Runs on the sun, F you. And I'd buy it just to infuriate hippies, because they'd want to hate you, but they couldn't find a reason. You shouldn't drive it. Why? I don't know. So I'd buy it just to irritate liberals, you know? Just driving around, solar-powered Humvee. It's amazing that they haven't come up with that. Even it's like a concept car. You know what needs to happen? Google needs to build cars, and the three of us need to take over the rest of the country and start coming up with ideas for stuff. I'm all for that. I want a new office. Uh, we're way smarter than everybody else. All right, here's Tim Riley. Alabama Republican Congressman Bacchus opposes a bail Bacchus? Bacchus. Hmm? The, really? Yes. Congressman like with Bacchus. hooves and drinking a goblet of wine? The Greek god of indulgence, Bacchus? Yes. Mm hmm Okay. I pose a bailout for U.S. automakers. While we will avoid a certain amount of pain in the short term, we make the situation far worse in the future. By rewarding failure, we send a signal to the marketplace that we live to regret. I have enormous jowls. I could have come up with something funnier. I didn't know what to do there. A uh, former U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia will be nominated by President-elect Obama to head the Justice Department if he's confirmed by the Senate Eric Holder will be the first African-American to serve as the Attorney General. Former D.C. Council Chair Linda Kopp says Holder is the right man for the job. I had an opportunity to uh, see him in different roles, and uh, I was pleased to see uh, and know, and I think everyone else would be, that he always did an excellent job.
Uh, by the way, we just got an email from somebody uh, who does work at uh, Yahoo. And he says, uh, I work at uh, Yahoo. I listen to the feed every day. He says, uh, though we're not Google, we do have some fun. Sort of. All right, well, we'll give this <laughs> Say sort of. Yeah, yes. Awesome. Um, how about this? Rick, I'm surprised more people aren't talking about the salaries these automaker CEOs make. Someone should do a sidebar story about how many employees could be supported at their current pay by using the abhorrently high salaries and bonuses of these executives, who, again, are taking money to ruin the company. Uh, let's see. Um, how about this one? I think it would be stellar to look at exactly how much in taxes Ford, Chrysler, and GM actually paid into the U.S. tax system over the years. He says, I'm assuming it's not much, but I could be wrong. Um, he says, I'd suggest they calculate it based on the average amount of an average taxpayer puts in versus the stimulus check. Uh, and then the company, anyway, so he's basically talking about the government should use an average amount that they would give the companies based on what they paid in. Because that's the thing. It's like if you get unemployment, I mean, we all kind of pay into that system. Yeah. You know, and I'd be curious to know exactly how many taxes the auto industry has paid. Because you always hear, and I don't know if it's true. I, that's a thing that maybe conspiracy guys say, but I think it's. Probably has some germ of truth that big co corporations pay almost nothing in taxes a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So, all right, here's Tim Riley. Women's Corner, news forward about the ladies. Women who aren't getting enough sleep may be increasing the risk of potentially deadly diseases. <laughs> Cleveland Clinic Women's Health expert <laughs> Dr. Holly Thacker. Thacker. Says a lack of sleep can be linked to a host of illnesses. Certainly if you're not sleeping enough, a lot of times metabolic rate decreases, weight gain increases, which of course causes lots of other increased risk for common diseases from diabetes to heart disease to sleep apnea. By the way, I like that the first syllable in diabetes is in fact die. Mm -hmm. Dr. Thacker said there are some things the ladies can do if they're having trouble sleeping. Exercise does help with sleep, but it should be done earlier in the day, not later in the day. People should cut back on their caffeine uh, several hours before bedtime. They should keep their room cool. I also spend a lot of time washing and ironing your under things. <laughs> All you gals will be happy to know that People Magazine is making room for a new sexiest man alive. Yes. The art of this year goes to the author Hugh Jackman. He's been married to his wife, Deborah Lee Furness, for 12 years. A couple of two children together. Hugh Jackman, the uh, the, the Wolverine guy? Yeah. yeah. He's not the sexiest he man alive. He is not. And we'll hear number two. Who's number two? Uh, let's see here. Do I have, uh, former sexiest man alive title holders, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, George Clooney, also appear in the pages. Do we have the actual, do we have like the, the rankings? I don't yet. I'm going to have to go look for that. I know the top three. Who's number two? Daniel Craig. Really? Well, oh, girl, he looks like an ugly little troll man. And then, you know, they put Daniel Craig before the most beautiful man in the entire world. Who's the most beautiful man in the entire John world? John M. Yes. Wait, where's he? Number three. That's an outrage. All right. I demand a recount. That makes um, me sad. I, now, see, I will disagree with you in that he's he's not my type, Sarah. I mean, I... I Daniel Craig? Daniel Craig. But here's the thing is I think he does have a lot of appeal to a lot of women. I've heard from a lot of women who find him, they find him kind of sexy, not because he's a physically attractive man, but because he seems kind of sinister. And they like the fact that he seems a little bit villainous. Mm -hmm. Like he might, you know, get with you in a hotel room and then break your jaw, you know? You know, just, and they, you know, some, some... I guess, yeah, different tastes for different folks. I don't, I do not desire to have my jaw broken. No, some women like a little Max Katie in their man. And, uh, but he seems a little, you know, he seems a little menacing. But in no way is he more beautiful than John Hamm. John should be number one forever. He should be emeritus. He should be put there. I, I venture to say that John Hamm's even more attractive than George Clooney. I think John Hamm is, a, he's pretty much perfect. I think he is the new George Clooney. Yeah, I mean, really. And uh, and I'm a big fan of George Clooney. Don't get me wrong. I mean, really. I've always said that if I could be another guy you know, like that, it'd be George Clooney. Wouldn't be Hugh Hefner. 
I mean, like if I could, uh, you know, flip a switch and become like, you know, like some current living guy, be George Clooney in a walk. At this point, I might, I might go for John Hamm though. I could, uh, you know. And yes, in case you're asking yourself the question at home, would I? Oh, I would. All right. Um, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the South, CNN radio correspondent uh, Ed McCarthy. Hello, how are you, sir? Rick, how are you? I am dandy. How's life in the South, my friend? Life is very chilly lately. We've had some very bitter cold weather here. It's yeah. too early for this stuff. You know what that is? That's global warming. Oh, no, wait. No, wrong. Well, it's something or other. Yeah, we get it, you know, from time to time. I uh, So uh, here's a dumb question. How close are you, geogra- I don't know anything about uh, geography, how close are you to Nebraska? Oh, it was quite a quite a haul. I had to fly through uh, Chicago and then on to uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, were you, did you, and did, so did you go to Nebraska to cover this, this safe haven child? Yes, yes, I did, as and, a matter of fact. And so this is only, so this is the deal on a lot of states, I think even Oregon has this, where, you know, if you're a parent and you have, Basically, what would happen is, you know, a lot of these uh, teenage girls get pregnant, and they were ashamed or af- afraid of whatever, and so they would have the kid, and they'd, like, leave it in a bathroom somewhere, and then, you know, a lot of times the kid doesn't make it. So they passed this law, like, look, if you have a kid, and you want to keep the baby, you could just drop it off at the hospital, no questions asked. That's right. But in Nebraska, correct me if I'm wrong, they couldn't agree on an age, so the law just said child, right? That, that, was, a... that was the absolute problem, and boy, it, did it cause unbelievable strain for the state and for hospitals. Uh, 35 children were left at the hospitals in Nebraska since that law took effect in September. So, and you when know, you say children, changing. that's up to what age? Oh, up to 17. So, I mean, you got parents, I mean, there's it, a weird, like, do the kids know they're getting dropped off? or does the No, mom, but if know? they did, they probably heard the parents say, uh, you know, you better behave or you're going to Nebraska. I mean, well, that's, I have to tell you, I've heard more than a few people here say, I'm going to tell that kid right now, Nebraska's only a plane ticket away. Um, but they were driving from Georgia and from Miami-Dade, Florida. Oh, from so I didn't know that there were actually people coming from other states oh, to drop other off Oh, states they were dropping them off. That's why this has been such a fiasco. I mean, here's the thing, I mean... Because uh, I know Nebraska, so they're kind of embarrassed by this, right? So, what are they? Are they getting together to, to redraft or to, to change the law? Is that the deal? That's the whole thing. Now they started this uh, special session of the legislature last week, so I was there for the very beginning of this thing. And uh, now today they took a vote on one bill, and it's going to be a 30-day deal. Uh, state legislature voting overwhelmingly today to give the uh, second round approval to a 30-day age limit. And uh, they were talking about you know uh, up to three days, but now they're going to say 30. Days, and uh, you know a, a baby can be dropped off. You know, and hopefully uh, that wouldn't happen. But uh, of course, it does. You know, doesn't it sort of seem like? I mean, I mean, I understand that they are kind of embarrassed by the fact that everybody started dropping off their 15-year-olds, but. I mean, it seemed like we're sort of just wallpapering back over the problem. I mean, yeah, clearly, that's, that's and they, you know. they admit it now. Yeah. Uh, they say, "Look, at, we have got a problem." And I, you know, I spoke with one fellow who was in charge of a foster home, and uh, a really nice guy, Jim Blue was his name. And he told me, he says, "You know what?" He says, "This just revealed the problem, this law." Right, right. And he says, "We have got a severe problem." And he says, "It's heartbreaking every time you see this happen because it's going to scar the the kid for life." And uh, you know, into adulthood. 
So now they're changing this thing and uh, they're deciding that, you know, it, it can't be this way. But, boy, they're coming from all over the country, and it was just a, an amazing situation how this thing backfired. So they had this – the governor finally said, look, enough is enough. We can't wait any longer. We've got to have this special session. They were trying to just hang on till January when yeah. the new session of the legislature starts. So they had this $80,000 special session that is uh, under their constitution, has to last seven days, and tomorrow's a holdover day, and then Friday they take the final vote on this thing, and the governor's going to sign it. It's a done deal. But now you got in this window, do you have all these, a bunch of parents like rushing to Nebraska like un, to get under the wire? Like, i got to drop you off before Tuesday. Well, you know, it's it's funny when I was out there. Well, it's really not funny, and I don't mean to to, to insinuate it's weird, that. But though. It's weird. Very strange. Yeah. Very strange. When I was out there, they had uh, they, uh, some parent or guardian dropped off a, a boy and a girl, and and the girl the girl boogie she took off. And so they they had the search going for her out there when I was there Ugh. and looking for her. So, you know, she's, you know, you're going to drop her off. Well, you know, she's going to take off. So, you know, nobody knows where she's going to end uh, up. You know, maybe, it's very, very sad. Maybe, she's a street, street person. Maybe make some deal with these parents who clearly shouldn't have had kids in the first place. Just say, look. You know, you know can I just say one more thing? And yeah. I talked to this guy in charge of, uh, you know, health and human services out there. And he says, you know, he says, that's not the answer to drop your kids. You've got to work things out. Right, right, right. And so I think that's, and that's my, you know, the clearly parents who, you know, shouldn't have been having kids. I mean, maybe we can make some sort of, you know, kind of like, look, we will let you drop off a kid up to the age of like 16, but in exchange, you're going you're gonna to go under the uh, knife and you're not going to have any more kids ever again because it's not for you. Yeah, you know? that's right. Just, uh, it's not your deal. All right, my friend. Well, uh, as always, an interesting world. Strange but very sad story. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Ed McCarthy. We'll talk to you very soon, sir. All right, Rick. All right, Ed McCarthy in the South, ladies and gentlemen. Here's Tim Riley. Shiver me timbers. There are pirates off the coast of Somalia. What to do? Well, the U.S. Navy commander, Jane Campbell, a lady is a commander in the U.S. Navy, says the military has made some suggestions to commercial vessels about some measures they can take to uh, protect their ships from being overtaken by pirates. We simply can't have Navy ships be everywhere at once. So we've told them some great practices that, that range from, one, just have lookouts. Be on the lookout for you know, small boats that are approaching your vessel that shouldn't be. Of all the millions of ships out there, you'd think they would send one to some place that they're needed. Right I here. I was just going to say, it, it's a good thing that our military isn't, uh, you know, otherwise occupied in places that are, uh, you know, that are not advantageous to us. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we'd have a larger navy if we weren't spending like a trillion dollars a day over in the, uh, the big sinkhole that is Iraq. Also, I don't even know where to begin with this. What does shiver me timbers even mean? It's an old pirate saying. But, I mean, what, what does it mean? I don't know. It's something that pirates Are say. you Googling it, Sarah? You're cheating. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. All right. Shiver me. All right. Let's think about what are it. Your, what timbers? Timbers. Well, when do they say it usually? That means like, make my wood cold. I mean, it doesn't shiver me kind of timbers. kind of like a, well, I'll be. I, I don't know. Well, yeah, clearly, I mean, it is used euphemistically as a like, would you look at that? But I mean, like, a, like maybe like a chill through the wood, like cold wind blowing through the woods and it's shivering the timbers. May, okay, see now that might not be it, but that's plausible. And I didn't Google it. No, no, no. If if, if somebody told, if the Great Gazoo appeared and told me that was it, I'd believe that. No, I'm, that's, I, okay, that's what I'm gonna go with. All right, you know what? Let's just accept that that's the yeah. thing. So pirates, really? Pirates. Well, the Saudi tanker, the Sirius Star, which will soon merge with the Sirius XM Star, has a <laughs> cargo of 100 million dollars worth of oil and is the biggest ship ever to be hijacked by pirates. The International Maritime Bureau says Somali pirates have seized at least 36 ships so far this year. 
So Commander Jane says private shipping firms have also been told they may want to employ private security because they can't depend on the Navy to save them. We've also suggested that those shipping companies very seriously consider employing professional embarked security detachments. Huh so that they would have an armed response if they come under attack. Let me understand this. The military is now telling them to hire the Pinkerton guys. Yeah. Look, I'm sorry. Old man, stop you. (laughs) I'll run you in. That's a hilarious... Hey, you uh, mad TV types. They ought to be doing that. The security guards of the high seas. Mad TV went off the air. Not that anybody watched it. It was just on. Is it gone? Yeah, but who's going to... Who watched it? Oh, I didn't know. Um, Well, who knows? All right, you... uh, Somebody... Ought to be doing like I'm sort of like well look they're going to need new jokes on SNL now the payload's gone mm-hmm. they ought to be doing like security guards of the high seas you know where the pirates are like you know avast and the guys like you you get out of here you ruffians and then they'll have the obligatory episode where they try to deter the ruffians by playing classical music through the loudspeakers so pirates so the military is actually telling them to like go hire the Wacken Hut guys to come yeah. and like glower at the pirates mm-hmm. let me ask you this if you're in international waters which is I'm assuming where this is happening yes. If you're in international waters, are you just free to do whatever you want? Does the law apply to you at all? Are you just like a, a nation under yourself? Can you do whatever I, you I want? I think uh, after a certain amount of miles off the coast, 12. it's a no man's land. So, I mean, so if a pirate... Look, Saudi Arabia clearly has no problem killing people. They do it all the time for lesser offenses. Mm-hmm. Showed your ankle, killer. Um, the... Why wouldn't Saudi Arabia just get a bunch of guns and just start blowing blowing people into little bits? They get we, too we close, we'll them. blow you up. We sold them enough of them; they have them. Clearly, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I mean, I know it takes uh, I know it takes you know energy away that you could be using to stone women to death for like having sex or something. But I'm surprised Saudi Arabia doesn't just say screw it. You get within a hundred yards, we're going to blow you out of the water. Yeah, they should. So the U.S. Navy actually just has to hire private security. Yes, that really is a that might be the mark of the end of an empire there. So my next question is. If GM does not get its bailout, does OnStar disappear? It is a GM product. I didn't know that, really. Yeah. OnStar is commemorating its 100,000th rescue. Maybe there should be some sort of a thing where... Hello, OnStar? Yes. Uh, what is you know, OnStar, what is your emergency? I can't run a business properly. I need $25 billion. I, I can't pay the rent. Can you... All right. Um, we've located a lot of somebody else's money, and we're going to send it your way. Uh, right now to prop up your failing, stupid business model that you ran like an incompetent bastard. All right, thank you, Oscar. Well, Chet Huber, the president of OnStar, said the company's come a long way since receiving its first call back in November 1996. Wow. It is our job in a partnership that has been 10 years in the making with the wonderful people in emergency medical response, the EMTs, the fire departments, and the doctors, to help make these outcomes come out better, save lives, and minimize the injuries of these crashes. So, oh, happy Vern- so this is their 100,000th? Yeah. 10,000th? Mm-hmm. All right. Do we have audio? Do we no. know what it was? No, we don't. I wonder if it was like, uh, I hope it was something exciting. I you know what I mean? Too. Attacked by aphids or something. Uh, somebody has suggested this. Rick, uh, when the Westboro Church guys come to town, you should give them tickets to Richie's drag show. That's a good idea, sir. We should have Richie totally go out and do a little dance for them. Yes. 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 All right. The Rick Emerson Show votes yes. Richie Bristol, please come to the studio. All right. Let me. Uh, that's a fan, and I bet we could get the Richie station vehicle out history. there. We should totally, oh, yes. totally get the uh, station vehicle out there. Let me just. Uh... Oh, it must be done. <coughs> and he's walking so well in his heels. Hello, now, Richie too. Bristol. Hello. How you doing? How are those heels treating your feet? Oh my butt hurts. Aren't they a good workout, though? Like, they hold your, like, at a weird angle. Yeah, like, well, because it works your glutes, does it not? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. everything. All right. Doesn't Gluteus Maximus sound like a, like he, like one of the fat Roman emperors? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Anyway, um, 
yeah, yeah. So the uh, so the Westboro Church, you know, the the, the idiot uh, homophobe church from Topeka. Oh, so they're coming to town to to picket and protest because you know because they're morons. It's what they do, and because Silverton elected the transsexual mayor. Oh, so what would you think about this, Richie? We uh, we get you in the station vehicle. And we send you on out there in, in full uh, Rochelle uh, garb. And you can practice your routine. And then Rochelle gives that performs a little, a little like, maybe a little boa, boa feather boa dance. Rochelle performs of a life. Or maybe a fan dance. Can Rochelle. I hire, like, a security crew, like, because aren't they going to beat me up? No, no. They're no, too no, old to no, beat anybody. And they're pussies. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. So, and, but, you know, we got some big listeners that go out there with you. Okay. I got some listeners that I got some listeners that would just be itching for an excuse to punch those guys in the face. Oh, okay. but they But it won't. Because, again, yeah, they're, they're just, no, because they're, they're, because they're, they're, so I can scream, hello! No, they're no, they're totally pussies. They're not gonna do anything. Um, so you go out there again. You give them a little, give them a little like a little fan dance, a little. Uh, you when, know, when is this? A little sexify next Monday. Monday. Next Monday. Eleven thirty in Silverton. This Monday? Yeah. No, no. no. Next, next PSU. Next that. Monday. So, oh, perfect. Next Monday, eleven thirty. Next Monday, you mean this upcoming Monday? Yes. Next. Yes. Yeah. The next Monday we have the twenty fourth, eleven thirty. They will be in Silverton, Oregon, which oh. is about. I don't know, I always forget. It's like 45 minutes some way. Somewhere. So, yeah. Sounds like a... And it's a charming little town. And you can, can say hi to... You can get a crew together and they can, you can get it videotaped. And, and you can say hi to Stu Rasmussen while you're there. Go out there and rag. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, and you could have, yeah. uh, you'd have a, a drink at their malt shop. I gotta go shopping then. Okay. So, uh... Let's dress. Well, we'll... Uh, it's gonna be raining. I, I... I'm not God, so I, I don't you know. You have to dress different... I mean, I can't just go in some shiny. Well, don't wear white shoes after Labor Day. That's if what you I want mean. me to take you shopping to like Goodwill or something, this we gotta get rain clothes. Pick something out. Just, I don't want to get wet while I'm in a dress. Maybe we'll find you some like shiny leopard print raincoat. You can Maybe wear, like, a big, like a, classic glasses. A tasteful parasol. That's no, yeah. like a lovey howl parasol. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I can. Go. I picture Rick G in like heels and like a shiny rain flicker and like big glasses Ooh. with a wig and like a parasol. And sing diamonds are a girl's best friend. Ooh, can yes. we can we bring like a generator and like the PA system and play like oh, I'm too sexy for you? Well, well, that would be it for the city fathers anything. of uh, Silverton, of course. Oh, but. they don't have a blowhorn too. Yeah, they'll love that. Oh yeah, this is right. good. They love uh, men with blowhorns, Richie. All right. All right. We need security crew. Okay. Uh, well, we'll look into it. Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, uh, before we break here. All right. Oh, so we, we got plenty to... of burly people around here. Oh, we do. Uh, so we got lots of stuff coming up. All right. We got more news from Tim Riley. Uh, we'll talk to Mr. Skin uh, from MrSkin.com. Later on, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop. We'll talk a little bit more about the shield uh, from last night as well. So uh, more of your phone calls when we return. We have only uh, just begun uh, to amuse and disturb you. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come, Geek Watch, Clown Watch, I think. A whole bunch of stuff. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Back after this with your calls. the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. That's like an alternate uh, universe thing where you press the cough button and it yeah. just goes... Ugh. I'm on a microphone that is not attached to my cough button. I keep forgetting. Well, you're on the guest mic right now yeah. because uh, your microphone is having some issues and the engineers are otherwise occupied, but you're on the guest microphone and I don't think we ever put it in these terms, but we don't allow... We don't want the guest to have control of anything. Uh, so I, I think when, when the studio was built, I think I specifically requested that the guests have no control at all over their microphone. They will speak when we tell them to speak, and not otherwise. 
And so you're on a guest mic now, which means that, uh, that yeah, you can't actually turn it off or mute it or whatever. So you get to, like, <laughs> right into the uh, microphone. Just don't sit too close to the radio. That's what a morning man would say. <sighs> because you're going to cough? Yes. Ah, I see. All right. I don't want to, yeah, Jim doesn't want him to catch his cold. Have you worked with a morning man who's actually said that? Oh, yes. All right. Mm-hmm. It's uh, 503-733-2970. Uh, in just a moment, we return to the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Jim Roop and more so. Uh, uh, moreover, more, more, so more. There's a word I went for there, and it didn't come together for me. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, the one and only Mr. Skin. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, Rick. Doing great. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, I know you've been busy, and uh, you know I was—I think I was out sick for a while, so it's, yeah, uh, we haven't caught you know, up in a while. What is, uh, yeah. What's up in the world of nudity, sir? Well, as you know, nudity r- never rests, so we no. have to get caught up here. There, all the uh, There's a big buzz on this movie, Twilight, which opens this weekend, a vampire movie. It's more for the younger generation, but it's a... Uh, uh, based on a popular book, and uh, the problem with Twilight, it's a vampire flick with no nudity from my angle, so I recommend if you're into vampires and nudity, check out True Blood on HBO. HBO. Loaded, uh, jam-packed with great skin. Uh, Anna Paquin and Lizzie Kaplan, to name a few, have uh, uh, shown their uh, breasts. So True Blood uh, should be known as True Boobs, as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's right now one of the coolest shows on TV. So Twilight, no nudity in theaters opens this weekend. Um, there is a classic movie that lots of people have heard about. I don't know how many have actually sat through and watched it called Caligula. Yeah, the uh, that was produced by Bob Guccione, right? Yes, yeah. that's how it produced it. You're right. And uh, they're releasing it on Blu-ray this weekend, which means you could see all the orgy scenes in, in high definition. And uh, it's a uh, it, it's one of those movies that um, maybe the critics sort of panned it, but it, it's kind of it, it's a movie you should see if for no other reason to see uh, uh, Helen Mirren completely naked in yeah. prime. And uh, we did a uh, count here at MrSkin.com for a book we did these. Uh, Fantastic video guide. We we ranked this one of the great movies of all. So anyway, Caligula loaded up with uh, with nudity. That's, Caligula was one of those movies we always heard about, like in high school. That like some dude's dad would yep. have a copy of it. Like, yo, dude, we're gonna watch Caligula. Yeah, the X-rated version, yeah, right? Well, yeah. anyway, it's out on Blu-ray this week. And uh, finally, I wanted to mention they're also releasing this week a box set of The Sopranos, the complete series. And um, there were plenty of bada babes that got naked in this. Um, so many, uh, you know, it was one of the great shows. Not only was it a great show, but there there were tons of different girls uh, that got naked. So check out The Sopranos, the complete series. Um, it is uh, out on DVD this week. Excellent. As always, sir, doing the Lord's work. We'll talk to you next time, my friend. All right, Rick. There you go. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Wonderful. Yeah, so I got, uh, I didn't attempt to talk about this during the show. Uh, actually, <laughs> I should say not from Powell's. See, now I have a cough button. I didn't even use it. Not from others. That mailman Chris, I think, brought these off for me. Uh, the first two Twilight books, which, see, now I feel like I have to read them. You because... totally have to, and then you have to let me borrow them. All right. Yeah, apparently they're, uh, apparently you can, uh, apparently they're fast reads. But I guess, A, they take place in Washington State. B, you know, it's like pop culture, and all the kids are reading them and so forth. And C... I guess they're all Mormon allegories, so it's like I, I kind of have no choice. Now I now I must read them. So I got to finish. Jesus, I got to finish that John that John Lennon book, and then I got to something. I got to that other Dexter book. I got to finish, and then I got to read these. Just also this television I'm going to watch. Life is hard. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Yes, enough, Omzi. We'll eliminate 20 positions from its staff, and they're cutting expenses by some 10%. 
Uh, OMSI is a nonprofit organization that receives no state or federal funding for ongoing operations. It relies on revenue from ticket sales, memberships, retail sales, and donations. So 20 positions eliminated at OMSI. Even worse than Time Magazine, they've got to cut more than 250 jobs as part of a broader plan to slash 600 jobs from Time Incorporated's total worldwide workforce of more than 10,000. Late yesterday, the staff of Cottage Living, a four-year-old shelter magazine, employees there were told the magazine is shutting down. Who ever heard of it? A shelter magazine? Yeah. What is what is that? I don't know. Cottage Living. I'm going to look it up right now. Hold on. Cottage Living. I mean, Time Magazine is, a, you know, a benchmark, uh, you know, obviously a benchmark news weekly or was, but I mean, it's just, I mean, what is, what really is the point of, of Time Magazine right now? You know, I think magazines for Time me... has run out for Time Magazine. Yes. Yes, it has, Tim. Uh, let's see. Cottage Living? Mm. Cottage Living. Um, I, for me, anyway, because I had to go to the dentist again. I got to go to the dentist again yes, yesterday. Well, no, I, and I only, you know, here's the thing. I only got one more. This is like being two days away from retirement, you know, the cop move. And I only got one more dental visit, uh, and then I'm done. Uh, just sitting there all day yesterday. The guy just, you know, hold on. You're going to, you know, just drilling away. And, you know, it's fine, though. Do it. Uh, I'm not going to complain about it. So, um, but boy, goddamn, I'm just distracted by the fact that he looks and talks. His mannerisms are exactly like Jack Horner from the movie Boogie Nights. Burt Reynolds' character in Boogie Nights. Mm. My dentist looks, talks, his, his, his inflections are exactly Burt Reynolds in Boogie Nights. I mean, he could go as that, that for Halloween. That would be totally distracting. It is unbelievably distracting. And I mean... Uh, and, and the thing is, it's you can't mention it. It's not like going, hey, you're kind of you remind me of Bill Murray in Stripes. That's one thing, but you can't go like, hey, you remind me of uh, Jack Horner in Boogie Nights because if he doesn't know or if he's religious you're or something, have to describe. yeah, you have to go. Oh, he's a porn director in Boogie Nights, and you know he might not. But it, it's specifically that sequence of Boogie Nights where um, Jack is sitting there at the diner with Roller Girl and Amber and uh, Mark Wahlberg, and he's going. Well, you know, you have these movies I've made them myself. Everybody, um, you know, they all f their brains out. Everybody has a good time, but uh, I want to make something better, Eddie. It's that is exactly how the dentist talks, and he looks just like him too, to the point that I almost wonder if it's like if he's doing it intentionally. Um, but um, anyway, so I'm sitting there in the chair, and he's. By the way, this is the weirdest thing. So I'm at the dentist, and you know, you hear the uh, as uh, Guy Patterson would say, "All day at the dentist." Uh, I'm I'm in the dental chair, and you're hearing like the regular, you know, the the, the elevator music or whatever they play, and it's like Gloria Estefan who was always on in those places, and then and then it's just like a Van Halen song. It was the weirdest, and then House of Pain, and then back to like Gloria Estefan. It was so bizarre. Um, but the dentist actually did that thing from the Bill Cosby routine, where Bill Cosby does they put everything in your mouth, and then they want to start the conversation, where they get like nine tubes and a hand in your mouth. They're going, do you like to fish? And so, sitting there yesterday. And my mouth is all numb, and I got like the big suction tube thing in my mouth, and like a drill and a whatever, and I'm, you know, and the dentist goes, so do you like Van Halen? And it's like he's doing it just to screw with you, because he knows you can't, you know, you can't respond. Um, Anyway, so I was at the dentist uh, yesterday, and they do that thing where they they give you the shot, and then thank God they leave the room, and they, they give you like time for it to numb. And I started reading a magazine, and it occurred to me, magazines have now become a thing I only read when I am at the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. Only. That's it. That's that's it, man. I don't read a magazine unless I am waiting to have some sensitive part of my anatomy poked with something metal. That's it. 
So I'm amazed that Time Magazine is still held on, you know, this long. Yeah. I mean, it just got to be a money losing business by by this point. All right. It's Tim Riley. My dad just plays Kink. And I, at first, I didn't know what it was. Oh, you I, mean the radio station? Yeah. I thought you meant like you had to have a safe word or something. No, that would be Richie's dentist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, uh, Richie, uh, I'm going to be uh, extracting one of your molars. Um, if it becomes too intense, say gardenia. Gardenia. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, talking so, about so a it, dentist. No, it, it's nice and soothing after all, but... Uh, what radio station is this country from? I couldn't figure out what the music. Of course, the Kink plays things that nobody else plays. They are they are a radio station uh, quite unlike any other. Give me another shot. I'm listening to Kink. <laughs> music that's great for when you're doped up in the dental chair. Um, the uh, the dentist is the dentist is pretty great. Um, and I you know and I actually don't get freaked out of the dentist like a lot of people do. A lot of people are terrified of the dentist, and it's not fun. You know, you'll look forward to it. But I don't freak out about, like, the drill or anything. It doesn't, you know, just, you know, what are you going to do? I figure he knows what he's doing. Uh, you know, he must have gone to school at some point. So I don't worry about it that much. No. I mean, once, you get, once they put that little piece of paper towel around your neck, you know you're ready to go. Oh, but can I tell you, I did have two things. One, and I don't know if I mentioned this or not, I won't I won't mention the dental place. I don't want to be seen as though I'm plugging them or whatever. But, um, but the great thing about my dentist, the thing that fills me with confidence, though, You've been upstairs to the, the the cube farm up there where the yeah, sales guys are? Mm-hmm. The cube farm. Well, you know what it is where like nobody has walls or doors or ceilings. It's just like little cubicles. But my dental office is like that, too. And it's a row of like 16 dental operating rooms or whatever they're called. Um, but there are no doors. You don't go into an office. You don't shut a door behind you. It is just like the sales department upstairs. They are basically cubicles. And each one has a dental chair. And you go in there and sit down. Oh, I, yeah. But here's the great thing about that. You know why that makes me feel so relaxed? Because you know they must be a very um, careful and very sort of, you know, it's got to be, you know, they must, take, they must take great care to be painless. Because, you know what, if somebody goes, oh, God, ow, everybody's going to hear it. Every, if you go, oh, ow, oh, oh, Jesus, every single patient will hear it. I want to get the name of your dentist because I think I need to go get a checkup. I will, I tell you, I'm, I'm like I, said, I will give it to you off the air, but I've been absolutely ecstatically happy with my dentist. And he's uh, central. He's right uh, near the station, actually. So oh, uh, I'm very, very happy. Could not, have, could not be happier with the dentist. I'm happier with my dentist. Really? Yes. Everyone he's a nice the woman. dentist. All right. Excellent. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, by the way, I'm looking at Cottage Living Magazine. Yeah, this is pointless. This is a, this is a crap They magazine. can all be laid off. This is, well, seriously, look at this. Just look at the color scheme. That tells you what you need to know. Who reads this? Oh, well, that shade of green is really in right now. Yeah, you know what? That sits underneath a copy of Family Circle somewhere while you're, like, uh, you know, waiting to pick up your kid for getting braces on yeah, or that's something. that's just yucky. I mean, doesn't, it, doesn't Cottage Living, doesn't this look like they couldn't quite close a deal for Martha Stewart's magazine, so they just kind of made their own knockoff. That's what this looks like. That's like the CW green. Don't knock the CW green, Tim. I'm not. I was just watching Gossip Girl the other day. Oh. I thought you might have been watching something else on the CW. I haven't been That's watching it. I missed it this week. I, Gossiping People, I believe, is on uh, Sunday mornings at 6.30, isn't it? Gossip Dude. Um, my <laughs> wife, is it by Gossip Mile? Have I told you that? Gossip uh, Man. Laura was, uh... <laughs> that sounds kind of wrong and awesome. Rick, can you please be calling yourself now the Gossip Man? <laughs> gossip no. Man. No. Um, I can see that Never. underneath this name. Gossip Man. <laughs> uh, well, Laura, you know, have I told you she's going to start this thing where every time Gossip Girl airs, she's going to write down four thoughts on it. And then I'll come in and I'll read them as her proxy. Because you guys talk you about Gossip end, Girl. You might end up like it, though, because it is so crappy. I have nothing amazing. to be thankful for. I, I know. As she's sitting there yeah. in her, like, billion-dollar mansion. Yeah. What a whore. See, Matt Blair. But do you see how I can't weigh in just like you can't weigh in on the shield? Right, then you just got to commit commit to the 42 minutes a, a week. It's really trashy. It. Yeah, it's trashy. Well spent. Well, 
I might. But in the meantime, she's going to write down four thoughts every week, and I'll come in and read them, and it'll be like we all, you know, like we all watched it. Um, but uh, anyway, CW, blah, blah, blah. All right, here's Tim Riley. This just in, an extraordinary account from a German army medic has finally confirmed what the world said all along. Hitler had only one testicle. These are the, uh, the once hidden notes of the guy who rescued him on the battlefield in World War I in 1916. Uh, for several years, uh, Johann the medic and his friends picked up injured soldiers. One of them was Hitler. They called him the screamer because he was very noisy <laughs> and because he was all bloody and lost one testicle. <laughs> wow. The screamer? Yeah, screamer. I barely knew her. Hitler. I barely knew her. His abdomen and legs were all in blood. Hitler was injured in the abdomen and lost one testicle. His first question was, will I, able to, will I be able to have children? And? What was the answer? What was the answer? You can't decide to do did, Could Hitler have children and then not tell us? It doesn't say. Oh, come on. Really? No. So now the medic blames himself for the Nazi nightmare. Had he not rescued Hitler in his one testicle, the world would have been spared all the horror. Oh, wait. So it's his fault. Yes. What's his name? The medic. Well, he's dead. Oh, I asked him. Uh, I was going to call Johann, him up. And... Johann Jamber. I was thinking of Jamber. Mm. Uh, oh, I, I was thinking about calling him up and going, thanks. Mm. Thanks for World War II, Dick. All right. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. A pop singer Beyonce said she would be very happy to serve the country's next president in song. She tells reporters uh -huh. that she plans to bear witness to President-elect Obama's swearing-in ceremony, adding she would love to sing at the inauguration event if asked. You know, how many calls do you think are being made like that right now? Well, I'd go. If invited. I mean, uh, I saw, did you see Larry King talking to Judy Scheinland? And by the way, Tim, I have to say, I was wrong about something, and you were right, as always. So I what wish to that? come in, I wish to confess. Hey, it's not a big deal, really. I'm wrong a lot of times, too. Uh, but I will say that uh, I watched Larry King the other night, and I had, uh, as William H. Macy would say, uh, contempt prior to investigation. Because, you know, I, my, uh, my mother, my charming mother-in-law... We go to, uh, you know, Utah, and she loves, like, the daytime judge shows, mm -hmm. and Judge Brown and Judge Judy or whatever. God, I hate those shows. See, no, and so do I. That's, I mean, they're just, they're loads of, they're horrible. And they're on all the time. And Judge Judy is on, and I always want somebody to go up and just clock her in the mouth, you know what I mean? I always want somebody to give her a body check. And you actually, Tim, had said, she said, no, she's, you said, no, she's really actually very smart and very funny and charming if you see her interviewed when she's not, like, in character. Oh, yeah. If you see Judy Scheinland interviewed when she's not on sh on the TV doing her shtick. Mm. And I didn't believe you. And you know what? I saw Judy Scheinland on Larry King the other day, and she was really charming. Yeah, she was. Very young. smart and very uh, down to earth. I watched her on the CNBC when I was in Vegas. And you know what? And so, you know what? And I, of all people, should have realized this. This I And I'm kind of embarrassed that I didn't. You know what? That I... I, because I, what do I always say about guys, you know, because people get all up in arms about, you know, whether it's Eminem or whether it's, you know, way back then, Alice Cooper or, or Rush Limbaugh. And I, and I went, man, I remember when I went home for whatever, some holiday. What is this? Is it, I had the 4th of July or something. I went, I, some, this summer I went home and like, I don't know, my, my, one of my relatives was throwing a huge fit about Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh did not be allowed on the air. He's irresponsible and whatever. And I, and I was just saying like, you know, you listen to some guy on talk radio, whether it's Lars or whether it's Rush or whoever, you know, they're just entertainers. I mean, there's no difference between Rush Limbaugh and Marilyn Manson. I mean, it's just a, it's a character. It's just a, it's a shtick, and it's just gimmicks to pay the rent, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody got to find a gimmick, um, and that's what I realized is I was judging, so to speak, Judy Scheinland unfairly because I was saying, oh, I hate her, and I realized I got suckered in the way that people get suckered in by Rush Limbaugh or Eminem, not realizing it's just a character she plays. And she was really amazingly smart and grounded, and I actually watched the entire hour with her. Um, so I, so you were totally right about that, Tim. 
I mean, I'm still. It, not it takes gonna... a smart woman to play a character yeah, like that. Yeah, and that's. I'm not going to watch her show because I don't really dig that kind of show, and you know, her her persona there is kind of off-putting. She knew that that's what she had to do, but and she, she perfected the act. Totally, she figured out that's what it would take to make money. Right. Uh, that Wapner wasn't ever really going to cut anymore, so she had to come up with a different hook mm-hmm. for the ju- for the judge show, and that's kind of her deal. So anyway, so yeah, no, she was great. Uh, but he asked, "Are you going to the inauguration?" Which is an awkward question because you got to know that like the answer is no for almost everybody. And so Larry King, of course, has no tact about Judy Scheinland, Will you be at Obama's inauguration? And there was this moment she goes, "Well, no, no." <laughs> okay, next. And, you know, and so you got to wonder if he just asked everybody that. And I read somewhere that there's like a hundred thousand people that are going to that. How is that even possible? Is it at the mall or something? I mean, at the mall in Washington? Oh, mm. I, uh, yes, I would imagine so. I mean, so anyway. Well, I would go, Rick Emerson. I would go if invited. Tim. Yes. Sarah? I would go. All right. Just, I'm putting that out there. If invited, the Rick Emerson showcast would, uh, would go to the inauguration. You know, let's do one more and then we'll uh, break. The Ford Motor Company, just in time, reveals its latest hybrid at the L.A. Auto Show. Ford spokeslady Nancy Joya said the 2010 Fusion Milan best the Toyota Camry in fuel efficiency. Ford Motor Company reveals its latest entry into the hybrid market at the Los Angeles Auto Show. Nancy Joya weird. with Ford says weird. the 2010 you know why? Fusion Milan like best the Toyota Camry in fuel efficiency. We are delivering at least 39 miles per gallon city, which beats the Toyota Camry hybrid by at least 6 miles per gallon. Okay, first of all, here's why it sounds weird to you, Tim, because we're used to sound bites that come like from like 1910 on a gramophone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're used to like, Watson, come here. I want you. Uh, secondly, nah, never mind. I was going to make a cheap joke about hybrid. Thirdly, um, wait, what is thirdly? Maybe there is no thirdly. Oh, thirdly is this. Didn't cars used to get like 40 miles to the gallon all the time? Yeah, we had this discussion before. But, I mean, it's worth repeating. Like, why, again... Why is it news? And good, because they got lazy. Purportedly good news that a car has actually lost like 25% of their fuel economy. Mm-hmm. Jesus. And you know, you know, don't you just know? Man, it's like how the Japanese uh, had uh, like recordable compact discs like 10 years before we did. Mm-hmm. I mean, like in 1985 in Japan, you could buy a CD that was blank and like record stuff onto it. And I mean, we you know we just got that here ye- decade a decade and a half later. Don't you suspect that, like, in other countries right now, they got cars that get, like, 80 miles to the gallon? Yeah. I mean, and they're just not telling us. Like, should we tell the Americans? No, screw them. Uh, you know, and so, like, we're stuck with these gas-guzzling things. And, like, you go to Denmark or something, there's a car that runs on a head of lettuce. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going like 100 miles to the gallon. All right. Um, we'll get one call before the break. Should it be about The Shield or about dentist slash porn director? Kind of like the dentist slash porn right. director. I don't know. What does Tim Riley think? That's just important for me. All right. So, uh, <laughs> sir, if you're on hold with the Shield, I think your name is Don. Hang on, because we are going to come back after the break with Jim Roop, and then we're going to talk about last night's Shield episode. So, dudes out there, and it is mostly dudes, I recognize that. If you watched the Shield last night, it was a, it was a, amazing. I'm going to watch it again tonight. Actually, uh, I'm supposed to be catching up on Dexter, but I'm going to watch last night's The Shield again. It was just so unbelievably great. So, if you're on uh, hold about the Shield, hang tight, and we'll get more of that. But let's get this call about dentists and porn directors. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? What's up? Well, talking talking about your uh, dentist remind me of uh, another new porn movie that was filmed in Portland, but it's not about porn. Now, does this uh, oh, is this a tour? Yeah, you know about the auteur. Yes, I do know about the movie a tour. Ask me why. 
Tell me why. I'll be I'll be uh, interviewing the director of that movie on Outlook Portland on Portland CW, which airs Sundays at six thirty. Outlook Portland CW, six thirty a.m. That's right. And hosted by me, up? Rick Emerson, on television. The Gossip Nice plug. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We're gonna make that stick. You know, I'm gonna go in there, and there's gonna be because you know what it is when you go into a TV studio. There's like the walls are lined with posters for like you know all of their like you know King of Queens or whatever. Um, so I'm gonna push for one of me, Rick Emerson, like Gossip Girl. And I'm gonna be pouting my lips like. You know, just even like the guys it. on that show wear lipstick. Yeah. They do, and eyeliner. Hey, yeah. don't. Uh, speaking of eyeliner, and change every yes, five minutes. Help Rick with his Sarah eyeliner. and I got to have a conversation about eyeliner because you know what? Do you have your is? eyeliner here? Do you want, should we do it's a lesson upstairs. on the air? I do. I have my Mac eyeliner upstairs. Right, you got to do a lesson on the air. Oh. Yeah, I like girls. Uh, anyway, sir, what were you saying? Well, it sounds like you know all about it. This is going to be. It's absolutely a hilarious movie. Got to see it. Uh, uh, an early cut of this movie, and yeah. it's right up your alley. It is apparently it's pretty good actually, and so I'm all kidding aside, it's pretty good. I guess it's a it's a movie about a porn director and his. This is the Stanley Kubrick yeah. of porn, though. and it's his struggle to like get his recent groundbreaking porn film made or something. And apparently it's a kind of a funny sort of industry kind of you know style comedy. So cool. uh, I got a screener on the way though, so I look forward to seeing it, sir. Right on. I think you love it. All right, thank you. Cheers. All right, all right come back. Jim Roop will join us, CNN Radio Los Angeles. Uh, Sarah will help me apply my eyeliner. Uh, let's see, what else? Talk about The Shield last night. Uh, later on, more from Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Stay there. It's The Rick Emerson Show. Hi, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guest will include Chris Paddock, who will count down the top five chipmunk songs that are not the Christmas song. And he's not being ironic. No, no, he's not. He's obsessed with Alvin and the chipmunk. He has his whole, like, collection. He, has, I mean, he really does. I don't know if it's the entire catalog. It's like large swaths of the catalog, though, so... All right. That is tomorrow. Uh, still to come today, talking about the Shield here in a few minutes. Uh, last what else are we going to do today, Rick? News. Maybe some of this music from Muzak. We've been counting the Muzak thing for like a month now. Well, we can probably ring more than a day out of this, so we'll play a couple of these. Um, so uh, a uh, kind of a friend of Lars gave this to me. Can I look at it, or do you want to surprise me? Um, well, I'm going to have to play Well, you'll have to play it, so... Yeah. I'll give it to you in just a second. But also, yes, yeah, so I did, I went up to my office during the break, uh, you know, and just, uh, and I, I didn't, I, I'm holding eyeliner in my hand. So I've got this eyeliner. Now I took your, so this is, this is the, 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 how my life works. So I actually was at the mall a couple weeks ago and I realized that I, I have no idea what to buy in terms of eyeliner. Cause I'm doing, you know, I'm doing this TV show and we've all done, you know, here on the show, we've all done TV or you know, uh, the small like movie stuff or videos or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you just uh, one has to look one's best. And so, by, speaking of which, by the way, you never realize how vain you are until. And I'm not. And I'm really not complaining about it. I'm really not. I mean, there's you know the worst problems to have. I know that. But you never realize how vain you are until you oh, kind you of see ha- yourself on television. Yeah, or or you're oh. in the or you're in like the makeup room or whatever, and it's like five minutes to like filming, and you're you know you're looking in the mirror going, oh, come on. And I had this. 
I don't know if we still call them cowlicks, but it's like that one, that one, that section of hair that just kind of sticks up. And girl, you see, you don't have to deal with this because you've got long hair. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, what but I have weird hair. I have like all kinds of like kinks and it goes different directions. See, but that's my thing. Here's a, and then we'll talk to Jim Rupert in a second and then we'll talk more about my makeup. But let me ask you this. I really don't understand this. If you are a woman with longish hair, in other words, you know, if you're a woman that has really short hair, then that's one thing. But if you're a woman with hair that is long enough that it holds itself down, in other words, your hair's own weight kind of keeps it down, what is a bad hair day? What does that mean? If you have long hair, it seems like there would be no bad hair day. Well, it depends because, like, I don't want my hair all laying down flat against my head because that wouldn't have any volume and I'd look just look like a drowned rat or something. And is that just because you haven't washed it or something? No, I mean, you can have bad hair. Like, it can dry weird, especially since I have wavy hair. Right. So some of it's curly. You can see, like, some of it's curly and some of it's straight. And, like, and my bangs all go, like, different directions. So I have to blow dry them every I was just going to, how do you fix that? I just have to blow dry my bangs when they're wet, and I have to, like, brush them out and make sure uh, that they stay straight. See, so, like, bad hair day for me. I mean, this I'm this right now is a bad hair day for me. That's why I'm wearing a hat today. See, I would have, <laughs> I had in headphones. That'll fix it that. It is a hat today. Yeah, it's a um, hat day. So that's, that's my thing with the bad hair day is that, like, um, you know, at first I've learned that I have to wash my hair every, every single day. And I didn't used to when I had really long hair. I, they told me not to because it would dry it out. So I have to wash my hair every day or it just gets all bad. But this morning I'm looking in the mirror at the TV studio and I got this like, this like thatch part that's like sticking straight. I look like Dagwood Bumstead. And they're like, okay, we're going to shoot in like 30 seconds. We, you know, union, baby. And so I'm like, oh, come on. And so I find myself doing that thing with the hair product, just like, whoosh, 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 like one blast after another, figuring eventually my hair has to obey me. And that's when you really have that moment of like the long, dark tea time of the soul where you look into the mirror and you go, God damn, you're a vain, self-centered bastard. This is your own problem. Well, that was the worst thing about being on TV, too, is I tried to look nice, but then, like, mean old housewives from Gresham would write and just be like, you're ugly. I hate your clothes. Your makeup looks like crap. Your hair is stringy. <laughs> like, whatever. People are mean. Yes, they are. Mean, mean, mean. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From Los Angeles, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop. Hello, sir. And a very good afternoon. Where you guys, uh, where have you been? Um, I'm sorry? Huh? Where have you been? What? What? Where have you been? Oh, wait. Are you being sarcastic? Yes. All right. I'm sorry. Yeah, we had, I don't, and sometimes, I don't know when, when it's us or when, it's not you, Jim, it's us, uh, or when it's like technical issues or when the emails don't get forwarded around. Or... Well, my day just seems empty if I don't talk to you at some point. Well, thank you. I was, I'm sorry. I was just busy being distracted by the idea of a housewife just sending Sarah Dillon emails because you're ugly. The end. Oh, so. it was relentless when I was at Clinton really? because they didn't like that I looked a little different. Yeah. And well, and I'm, you know, and the thing is, I get on TV and I look all pasty. They have to work so hard to make me not just look like I'm made out of alabaster. You know, like I, I look, it, I, I mean, it's like you can almost see my internal organs. I'm so pale. And so they have to try very hard, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to make me look even remotely uh, presentable. And I have to tell you this, and Jim, you've done, you've done television, right? Yeah. And it's, I don't know if you feel the same way I do, but it's like, you know, on radio, Typically, radio people don't like to listen back to their own voice. It gets, you know, I've gotten to the point that I don't really care, but it, you know, but it makes you feel a little awkward. And you don't well, like to... we did the whole recap thing. I didn't used to be able to, but now I can listen to it. Yeah, because we hear it all the time. But it's like you don't want to air check. You sit in your PD's office and you listen back to the show. But man, the, as bad as that is, like watching myself on television like a thousand times is as bad. Uh, you know, because I'm just sitting there going, "Oh wow, I'm hideous. I'm all just, I'm all, uh, I'm all just, uh, you know, nose and twitching hands." So, oh man. Um, 
All right, so you, I mean, it's, I have no idea kind of the status of, of everything going on in California. Is it, is things rem, approaching under control, somewhat under control, not at all under control? Well, I don't know if I'd call it control. I would call it containment. Containment doesn't necessarily mean control. It certainly doesn't mean extinguished. Right. Uh, it just means they have a line around the fire so that it's not advancing, uh, that it's sort of just sort of burning right. in on itself, and they're, they're, now they get to extinguish it. Now they get to put it out. Although, because the winds have died down and the temperatures have cooled off and we have a little bit more moisture in the air, the fire is laying down and kind of putting itself out anyway. So this is one of those things where it's not necessarily getting better as such. It's not getting any worse, which counts as sort of a win at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and did they say that they found out that there's, this is that thing that always happens, right? It's never one fire. It's like nine fires that then join forces. And there was three or something this time? There were three major fires, but they all started with little spotty fires. Right. Uh, the Montecito fire, the one in Santa Barbara, was the one that was started by some college kids having a bonfire. Um, that was a, a great big Megilla. But the winds, the weird thing about that one, and that was really strange because it's not like that fire spread. It jumped. You know, because the winds would throw embers oh, they'd pick it up in the yards. And oh, so, that's so the, freaking. So trying to, trying to map how much acreage was burned or any kind of... That's why it took them several days to, to give a containment number. They kept giving containment as zero because right. they didn't know how to map the damn thing. Jesus. That never even occurred to me that the wind just picks that fire up and just carries it like a, like seeds or something through the that's air. That's how the back of my leg got caught on fire last year. I forgot all about that. You sent me the picture of your jeans. I forgot about that. Your jeans had all singed up. Yeah. Uh, you should have asked for, like, workman's comp or something <laughs> for that. And uh, pain and suffering, dude. I need 10 grand. Um, so, it, uh, yeah, so just the idea that this bonfire, I mean, that just, hey, what, what, I made a dumb question. Why are they calling that the tea fire? Well, it started in an area, that, see, they name fires for where they start. Okay. Um, and it started in a, at a place called the Tea House in the Tea Garden, and it's an old home up in the hills of Santa Barbara there in Montecito, where an old lady used to like to sit and drink tea and watch the sunset. Uh, okay. And so she had this tea garden, and it, it was for a while kind of a gathering place. It, right. It's been unkept for a while and kind of kids just hang out there now but that's why they call it that all right okay uh well i mean i you know all i can say is i hope you know we have a lot of listeners in california and obviously we know a lot of people uh, you know who live there and you know what and you know of course it's just and what's you know what's bad for the economy in one place in the country right now is bad for everybody so i mean financially speaking the repercussions here kind of get everywhere but i you know just the hope that everything kind of gets under more control, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. It's just, well, you know, uh, you, the economy, you hit that thing on the head, man. I, I, I feel bad for uh, renters, yeah. especially, because a lot of them, they don't have renters. Insurance. Oh, yeah? yeah. So when they lose everything, they, they can't get anything back. And so to try and get a loan at this point, oh, dude. get your... Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Without any collateral, even your car is burned up. Well, and you know, what I read the other day was somebody, I don't think it was Christopher Walken, but it was some guy like that. He was some big celebrity. It was like, I forget who it was, but it was some Christopher Walken type guy. You know, some guy's a household name to some degree, and and it was like, loses loses entire home in fire. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd, that's who it was. Yeah, the Marty, that guy. And, you know, and it's not that that's any more tragic than anybody else, but you do, but that does tell you in some horrible way. That just that things like this, like fire plays no favorites. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, no, we we are not in control. Yeah, it'll burn rich and poor alike. Here's the sad thing: he was just sort of categorizing and and cataloging all his memorabilia, oh. and and that he was going to start putting somewhere, and it just he just lost. It. Oh, dude, is that bad? Or that what? sucks. I think that happened to one of the Beatles some time ago. Like Ringo or somebody, like ten, twenty years ago, house fire burned up a whole wing of his house where he had like a bunch of irreplaceable. 
you know, like artifacts from his time as a Beatle or something. Oh, Jesus. Ah, yeah. oh, it's no good. Yeah. Ah, all right. Well, on that kind of... That's, uh, why I don't, uh, that's why I don't amass any awards of any kind. <laughs> if I choice, Because if I lose them, I don't care. <laughs> that's why I turned down that Peabody Award. <laughs> well, dude, then I've got to polish it and figure out where to store it. You know, then, then if I have a fire and it melts, I'm all sad. <laughs> so, to hell with it. That's what I'm going to tell everybody from now on. Excellent. <laughs> done and done. All right, my friend. Uh, we will talk to you very soon. Stay Thank safe, you, sir. Rick. All right, there you go. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Made a little levity into Jim Roop's life. All right. Hey, speaking of uh, levity and the lack thereof, uh, well, let's talk about the shield, and then you can put makeup on me, Sarah. Okay, I'm uh, trying to find some music for the makeup. <laughs> is it going to be I Feel Pretty? Uh, let's see. Um, I think I actually have an instrumental version of I Feel Pretty somewhere. Would you like me to find it? I was trying to find an instrument, uh, instrumental song from Gossip Girl. All right, I'll let you. Okay. Uh, that's okay. There was that. Uh, Do you see the uh, the show from this last weekend? Uh, and Richie, can you uh, rustle up Joe Cassavetti here? Um, this show we did last weekend on this, you know, I did this Outlook Portland show on the CW, the Gossip Girl Network, mm-hmm. and I had talking about recession-proof. And the proof, Network. I was talking about recession-proof businesses, you know, businesses that can weather whatever the uh, whatever the financial situation is. And I, the three I picked were, you know, if you pawn shop owner, stripper, and for once it was great because she didn't ask to be called something else. I go, should I call you exemption? I'm a stripper, or awesome. and then she goes, or if you like, peeler, or not an exotic entertainer. No, she was like, baby, I'm a stripper. Uh, and then a bartender. And so we had a stripper, a bartender, and a pawn shop owner. And uh, at one point, I asked the stripper, I said, um, and I should give actual credit where credit is. It was Lexi from the Marconi Show. Um, and I said, if I was a stripper, you know, what would my name be? And without even blinking, she goes, Peaches. And so for the rest of the day, it's like, I was Peaches. So I've met go. that girl. She's really nice. Yeah, she's pretty great. All right. Uh, uh, let's uh, welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, uh, production guru, Joe Casavetti. How are you, sir? <laughs> Never been referred to as a guru. Would you you like... guys will recognize this voice in like half of our commercials. Overlord? Uh, yes. All right. Yes. Uh, we're going to get a couple calls about this here in a second. So um, it, it, last night's episode of The Shield, first of all, uh, again, if you, if you, if you don't want to hear spoilers about last night, you know, you turn your radio down for a while. The, the Shield isn't really a spoiler-heavy show for the most part. There's been a couple big things over the, over the last few years that you didn't see coming, but most of it with The Shield, it's stuff that you already know. It happened. It's just waiting to see how it plays out. So, you know, the journey really is the destination. It's not like a twist ending show where it's like a who shot JR thing. Most of the time, the stuff has happened. You just don't know what the repercussions are going to be. But that said, we are going to talk in details about last night, which was the second to last episode of The Shield. Next Tuesday, it's a 90-minute series finale. Um, last night, though, dude, it was just it was brutal. It was awesome. I mean, Shane is... Kind of bottomed out. Yeah, I mean that sequence. Well, first of all, when he, when Shane and his wife Mara, they are they're going in to rob that you know the poker game or the whatever, and he ends up getting to take the guys who recognize him from Vice. When Mara goes in and she like in in rapid succession drops two people with that gun. Mara's cold. She well, you know, can I just tell you this? This is and you probably had this conversation in real life with some of your friends. I knew that girl was trouble. Like, from day one, like, five seasons back, I'm like, that girl is trouble. She's going to get him screwed someday. Yeah, she just had that, that kind of uh, drama vibe. Totally. Permeated with her. I uh, mean, then she gets knifed in the shoulder, and it's just, yeah. Well, I thought she broke her collarbone. Or, or was it knife? I thought the guy went with the knife, went down, took her down to the ground, and it was a stabbing and a breaking. Maybe it was just a breaking. Uh, having went through a, a collarbone break right. recently. Ah, uh, But, um, so, Shane's bottomed out. 
Um, and, and it seems Mara's saying, take me home. Right. And uh, Ronnie is just... Uh, I mean, Ronnie's already the the wheels are turning, or the wheels have been set in motion right. to indict him. Right. So it's kind of it's like the show was arcing up and arcing up and arcing up, and then you kind of knew it wasn't going to end great. Right. But it's been almost to the point where it's it's depressing. I mean, well, that's the thing. I read, I read this email earlier on, and I had a, actually the very first call of the day, and we'll get to some calls about last night's uh, Shield episode. Um, th- very first call of the day, the guy said, you know what, you always knew Vic Mackey was a bad guy. You always knew he did wrong. I mean, hell, I mean, again, tur- turn down the radio if you don't want to know this. The very first episode of the very first, the very first episode of the series, Vic Mackey kills another cop. Yeah, he ices Terry Crowley. Yeah, and I mean, and so, but the whole series, you know he's a morally, con- you know, compromised guy, but you do this thing of like, well, it's for the greater good. He's pretty much a good guy. He's a good family man. But last night, it's like... You're forced to admit it. Well, you know, when he when he sat down and he had to start confessing. I mean, it was it was great acting. Yeah. But you could just tell it's like, oh man. Yeah. And, and then he the way the way he said it, it's like I shot Terry Crowley. Yeah. And you're like, oh. And, and then it, it almost made it a little bit easier to stomach the inevitable ending, which I don't know. I mean, well, I, I, have, I have no idea. But um, you know, you you take the Terry Crawley murder out, and uh, yeah, he's still a rogue cop, right? But I could, I could almost—it's almost like I forgot about that. And right. he was, you know, my—I don't know. I've always leaned toward kind of dark people, yeah, anti-hero. And, and that's the thing is, you sort of root for him in a weird way. But you know, last night it was like, you know what it is? It's like last night the show was sort of forcing you as a viewer to admit that yet you in fact root for a murderer. You in fact root for a terrible human because he seemingly has betrayed Ronnie. And let his wife get locked up. And the series is basically making you go like, okay, viewer, Joe, this is the guy you root for. This guy right here. This is your hero. Oh, yeah. But, you know, Claudette, um, I don't know why. Boy, just seeing her go mental. Were you the only one, uh, or was I the only one that thought she was going to have a stroke? Did you at some point think she was just going to, like, like something was going to blow inside her head and she was just going to hit the ground? Well, she just finally lost it, though. She, you know, she fired Dutch, but did she? Because she was all delusional and like, you sanctimonious SOB, get out of here. Right, right. And, and, I mean, just let me, we'll get to, this guy's actually been on hold for a while. This is uh, Don. Don, hello, sir. Hey, Rick. Last night's The Shield. Yeah, one thing I never want to hear again is talking about the shield and then you applying your makeup. Well, it's that's, that's scary. I try to be a man of uh, of many different facets, sir. That's scary. Yeah, uh-huh. last night's shield. I think they're setting up for for anything bad that happens to Vic. Everybody's going to go along with it now because he ratted off everybody. Right. Right. Well, that's he, the thing too. Is it's like, always bridges. You know, his wife goes to jail. Ronnie is, you know, and he does that thing about. You know, that, that, well, you know, I can string him along for another week. And that moment when he's confessing everything and when he cops to the you know, killing Terry Crowley and she just says, you know, like, you son of a bitch. Well, yeah. he, he, well then Claudette then, uh, runs in and hears it all going down. Oh, God, you know, yeah, like moments after he signed the immunity deal, too. You know, but the problem with Claudette is she is uh, she let Mackie do her dirty work, and right. now she's offended that there was dirty work done. Right, I mean, right. who's, who's the most guilty, Mick for doing his job or her for allowing him to do his job? Well, remember episode one where uh, she... Walks out of the uh, the interrogation room and gives Mackie a shot at the perp, and he goes in with a phone book. Yeah, and he's like the guy uh, with a phone book. You know, what is this, good cop, bad cop? Yeah. And then he says, "I'm a different kind of cop. Good cop well, off the yeah, building." But, 
But yeah. they, they, you know, they needed results to keep the station open, and they got the results they wanted. They just didn't like the guy who got the results. So, so here's a couple other things about last night. And again, next week is a 90-minute uh, series finale. It wraps up for good. It's going to be done. And I got to say, man, the idea that they are still paying off. In fact, last night starting to pay off something from the very first episode is just astounding that they would hold something for seven years and pay it off. Yeah. But well, you know, when when Vic was confessing last night. Yeah, you, know, you can just tell. Okay, he Vic knows it's over too, yeah. and he's just cleansing his soul. And the way and, they made us uh, wait for like thirty seconds, where he just yeah. sat there silent, yeah. you know, before he started talking. Well, could you yeah. imagine being a writer for that show? Yeah, I just yeah. Yeah. it's like oh, I got to refer back to uh, season three. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. And then Vic is like listing off stuff that I completely forgotten about. He's like, oh, and then there's that guy. I cut off his feet and shot him in the I head. I'm like, oh, dude, I completely <laughs> forgot. Um, you know, and it's like all the way back to, like, what's his guts in the, the first or second season, that guy that burned Ronnie's face on the stove or something. And I'm yeah. thinking back, and I'm thinking to myself, how can Vic even remember this to give a full accounting? Like, but you know? You know what I hope? I hope that there is an ending. It's not like The Sopranos or it's not like these other shows, right. that they have a definitive right. ending. I, Sean Ryan... All Sean Ryan will say is that Vic gets what he deserves. That is all he'll say, and I don't even know what that means at this point. And with that said, I think somehow Vic's going to... It's going to be a 50-50 ending. Yes, he's going to get what he deserves. He's broken the law, and he's probably going to end up paying. But I also think that he's going to kind of redeem himself, especially with his with his inner circle. Like, right. like I said to you earlier in the hall, I think um, he may... And I'm totally speculating here. He may sacrifice himself and uh, plead guilty to everything that everybody knows he's done uh, in trade for Ronnie and Shane. Yeah, and uh, that's what I hope. You know, and, Cor- and Corinne. Yeah. So he'll like take the Especially take the weight Corinne. for everybody. All right. Especially Corinne, because right. she's she's the one after it's all over. Uh, she's got the two autistic kids, and you now she's she's shafted. Oh, uh, and then just seeing her in jail is just so weird. All right, thank you, sir. All right, and just a couple other things, and then we'll uh, and then we'll kind of wrap it up, and then we're going to do like obviously next week, huge uh, you know, whole huge thing on Monday and Tuesday about about the shield as it sort of ends. But um, th- here's the other thing that they just dropped in, they layered this in last night, and actually, as I was sort of laying awake last night before I was going to sleep, I was thinking about the shield, and the two things that were really sticking with me from last night, the two haunting things were one that moment where that you never thought would happen, where Vic is in the room and he says. Here's what I did. And he just lays it all out. I never thought that would happen. And, 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 and just again, when Claudette runs in and she goes, you let him sign the deal, you know, whatever. That, but here's the other thing. Just as how good the shield is, they just threw this little thing out and they haven't paid it off, but you know, they have to. With the kid who Dutch thinks is a serial killer, the mom, you know, didn't call him, but somebody from that house called Dutch six times in one day. You know they wouldn't have put that in the episode if something wasn't going to go bad, bad, bad with that next week. I think they're going to make Dutch look good somehow. Ugh. And then he'll have a blunder with somebody. He'll end up making out with somebody in the, you know. <laughs> he'll end up you know. getting it on with another one of his uh, coworkers. So. Yeah, maybe he finally Ugh. gets the little uh, the little uh, rookie officer. That oh, was... what's her name? Yeah, yeah. Tina. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. something. I mean, yeah. yeah the... Dutch has got to win one eventually. He's he's going to. Um, I, yeah. When you were when you were talking about all those moments when he was confessing, right. you're like my favorite, probably favorite Shield scene was when he took the guy uh, and I can't I should know his name and set him on the stove. Right, right, yeah. I, I jumped up. I no, like, I mean, yeah! and I remember I've talked to you know, friends of mine about this that it, watching the Shield over the years there'd be those moments where you kind of go, 
Oh, holy God. I can't, I can't believe they're showing this to me. And, of course, the big holy God moment was, and we were very, very vague about this, the David Aceveda at the end of a gun <laughs> moment. And I remember watching that and thinking, that's it. This show can't get any darker. And, and you know, and that, yeah, they do. So, yeah. All right. Well, next Tuesday, the finale, Joe Cassavetti. Thank you, sir. You're very welcome. All right. Take a break. Back after this, Tim Riley has more news around the corner, and we'll play uh, some of the hits off the Muzak 60th anniversary CD. Stay there. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. like this that I wish I could find one of our old consultants who insisted we do like a guy talk format and just strap him in a chair and make him listen to this. I was just going to try and find something that I thought could lead up to the segment where I teach you how to apply eye makeup. Thank you. I appreciate the that. opening for Heather's Oh, I would like to be pretty, Sarah. I'm sorry, what was that, Tim? It shouldn't be too difficult to find one of my consultants. <laughs> Are they around looking for work? No, they always manage to work. Oh, that's true. I got, I, I got your drift. I didn't know what you meant there for a second. Uh, no, that's my old consultants who are uh, looking for work at the moment, actually. So, By the way, I would like to point out with some glee that this is the same radio program that, like, nine minutes ago was talking about the Shield dudes. Beer. Ma'am. All right, then. This is the Heather's version, isn't it? This is. This is not, uh, what's her name? Who's the Doris Day, and this is who? Uh, this is Sid Straw. All right. Are we going to hear Winona Ryder talk here in a second? Dear Diary. See, that's hilarious right there. Does not sound like her. Dear Diary. And I don't know why she has that (laughs) weird... She drunk and slurry. Hey, dude, I came back from the dentist. My dental appointment was at 3.30 yesterday. I came back to work at like 5, talking just like Joan Cusack. Heather's turn, Heather. Wait. No, Heather. Wait. Heather's turn. Wait. Oh, we're not going to get on right. Well, all right. Anyway, so I came back to work yesterday, and they'd numbed up the whole right half of my face, and I totally sounded uh, like Joan... You know, there's no food in your food. Uh, so, anyway. All right, it is uh, the Rick Emerson radio program. So, uh, yeah, I uh, so I have this Mac Island. Oh, can I see it? Yeah, because here's the just before I show this to you. Now, I bought this based on your specifications. Yes, it's self-sharpening. I believe that it's the best thing for you. I was at the mall, and I called Sarah, because, again, when I do this TV show, they do everything but my eyes. Uh, tell me more about my eyes. I mean, they'll do, like, you know, my blush or whatever, and you know, give me some color, because I look sickly and dead. But then I don't know any eyeliner, and I don't know what the hell to do. And so I call Sarah. And said, with, the great thing is, without even you don't have to think about it. It's like you want to get a brown, self-sharpening, L'Oreal, you know, ultra fine, water resistant, whatever. And I didn't. They didn't have like, you know, I was at the mall and like a L'Oreal. No, thing. Mac is probably that. I mean, I just don't splurge a lot of my eyeliner because I always worn the same, the, like the black liquid eyeliner for like seven years. Well, you know, Mac has never steered me wrong in terms of makeup, Sarah. It's true. Mac does have a lot of. Good I've makeup. always been happy with Mac. Me too. Tim, I have some in my bag also. Excellent. 
Hi. We did a talk show for guys. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, looking flawless, Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. We leave the toilet seat up. <laughs> and, and, pee, and pee on the wall. Rip off the nub. <laughs> and pee on the wall. <laughs> oh, wow. Don't you remember those liners? I do. I the, the great thing is... That wasn't a real liner, but <laughs> it could have been. But I, yeah, I but told it, didn't I? I hope they consulted. Shave your favorite sports team in your pubes. But it's a total. Do you remember that one? Yes, but that's a. But that is a total. Here's the thing, Tim. That's not a real liner, but it's a total representation of what they were going for. <laughs> really, I came from. I came back from New Orleans with crabs. <laughs> Turn it up. It's almost hard to believe no oh one listened to that God, station. Turn it up. Jesus. Pull it off and shove it down their I throat. Love, I love their clip art. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> Pull what off? off? Whose throat? The knob. Oh. All right. Oh. Is that what the kids call it now? Yeah. Jesus. All right. Time for news. <laughs> okay. If you say so. Here's Tim Riley with some news. So, so it is serious stuff. Uh, first, let me tell you that the uh, Dow Jones plummeted nearly 430 to below the 8,000 mark. It is the first time since 2003 that happened. Then we have more layoffs here. 130 workers at the Everett's Oregon Steel Pipe Mill. Uh, They're cutting back on their workforce by uh, 13%. And it's all because of a lack of demand for steel. Steel is a tough business to always be. By the way, on just a slightly line out, did you see who rang in the NASDAQ this morning? No. Gene Simmons, baby. You're kidding. No, I'm Gene Simmons, and I'm here to open trading at the New York Stock Exchange. Not bad. Uh, no, I can do, I can kind of do that. It's all just about it's just about putting the back of your throat there. The, and Gene Simmons from Kiss mm-hmm. reminding you that you can go out in style in a Kiss casket. No, but he rang in the NASDAQ, and then, no lie, immediately was on CNBC pitching both Kiss condoms and Kiss caskets. And whether you're, you're creating life or ending your life, Kiss has got you covered. Um, so... Gene Simmons rang in the Nasdaq. He is a, a true American. Here's Tim Riley. Do a geek watch. Here's your here's your geek watch. Look, this high speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen certain limit, I remember you used to just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux. And just listen, on there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Better Sarah, am I not understanding that you and I own the same eyeliner? <laughs> Mine's black. All right. Here's Tim Riley. All right. Well, it's good to have a backup. Yeah, no, it's true. Catching the wave of a public fascination with vampires, HBO's True Blood has steadily increased the stature to become the cable network's most popular series since The Sopranos and Sex in the City. Has anybody here watched that show, True Blood? No, and I don't think anyone's fascinated with vampires. I Well, you know who is. Uh, well, never mind. No, see, it's going to sound snarky if I say it. Because, look, I... Uh, I remember, I, like, when... Um, what was that movie, Lestat and... Uh, Vam- Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, like, when that came out, people were obsessed with vampires. I don't see it now. Uh, it's from the guy that did Six Feet Under. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's based mm-hmm. on a series of spooky steakhouse novels written by Shirley Steakhouse Harris novels? And Anna Paquin in uh, the lead character role. True Blood has grown at Sunday Night Viewership up. 66% since its debut in September. How can this steak, How can there be a spooky steakhouse novel? I don't know. Is it like a sizzler on top of a pile of bones? So. It totally could take place in a steakhouse and we wouldn't know. The first season there, uh, finale is Sunday. I need more vinaigrette. The second season already in production. <laughs> Sorry. 
True Blood <laughs> imagines a world of vampires and telepathic women and shapeshifters, people who can assume the shapes of animals, whatever, a part of everyday life in a small Louisiana town. The steamy romance between Paquin's waitress and Bill the Vampire, portrayed Bill by... Bill the Vampire. <laughs> really? Bill, is that like Joe the Plumber's undead cousin? It is. Who is portrayed by Stephen Moyer, stand at the show's center. HBO's series also benefits from proximity to this week's much-anticipated release of the Twilight movie... Bill? Yeah. Right. Bill the Vampire. Okay. Mm -hmm. Another spooky drama about a girl and a vampire who loves her. Here's the... Is that like the spy who loved yeah. me? Um, and Twilight was filmed here, which is a very good thing. Well, look, and I, I'll tell you what. I'm casting stones inside a house made of glass here because uh, I got the whole zombie thing going on. So, I mean, you know, like this, you know whatever. I mean, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's a big world. You can be into zombies. You can be into vampires. But let's, can we all just say what we know to be true? I mean, I'm sure you could say the same thing about dudes that are into zombies. And, you know, a lot of dudes are. A lot of chicks are. Um, the woman who organized the zombie walk, that's, you know, it's a girl. Um, but... Don't we all kind of know that if you're really into vampire fiction, you are um, probably a a woman. And if you're into vampire fiction, you are a certain kind of woman. And I'm just going to leave it at that because we all know somebody who is. A woman? That's one way to describe them, Tim. Um, but we all know girls who are really into sexy vampire literature. And it's all sexy, by the way. That's the, nobody. That, look, in my own defense, nobody reads a zombie novel because you want to hear about like an un, undead pile of flesh humping it out with something. Mm -hmm. I mean, vampire novels though are always sexy, and it's always you know like tortured young love, and he's wearing like a lot of like wearing like a lot of like wine-colored velvet things with cuffs and frills. Um, so we empty each their own. I'm just saying that that is very much a niche market that they relentlessly plunder. Mm -hmm. So all right, there's your uh, geek watch uh, for. Uh, Wednesday, we're coming to you. By Grabthar's hammer, by the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Next. Ooh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. It's so true. All right, so we got uh, this Muzak CD, or we've got Sarah putting makeup well, on Well, why don't we play a song from the Muzak CD while I put eyeliner on you? Tim, how do you feel about that? That's multitasking. I All right, think it'll so. work. All right Tim, um, should I pick a song randomly, Tim, or uh, should I pick one, you know, sort of, you know, in other words, you like to pick? You want to pick something randomly for you? Yes, pick something randomly for me. All right, let's see. And by the way, I want to read, this is not a joke. This is the Muzak 60th anniversary CD. It says, we put this compact disc together as part of our 60th anniversary celebration. It was our intent to fill this CD with some of the best music from Muzak's environmental channel. We feel this collection of some of the finest songs of the past 60 years represents Muzak. Tia, at its best. We hope you enjoy it. John R. Jester, head of the Muzak Limited Partnership. All right, give me a number. I don't even know where to start. Um, let's start with number seven. All right. And see, look at how nice you are. I'm wiping, it, wiping off my hands. All right. Let's put them on your face. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Uh, this is cut number seven from the Muzak 60th anniversary CD on the Rick Emerson radio. Broken. Really? Listen to that. You know what this is? This is, this is like a... We should do a whole, like, what would happen over the top of this bed. Um, this would be like one of those, uh, it would be an ad on an oldie station, right? Yeah. What would they be doing? What would, what would this be an ad for? What would the copy over this be? The trailer set? Like a 50s-style diner or like a... Or like a... Um, uh, a Saturday Night Sock Cop with Big Eddie. Maybe. Oh, God, listen to that. This is Heartbreak Hotel, by the way. 
Kate Rickerson. Should we do your Islander on the other side? It could be for Viagra. Really? Say, guys, get back in the game and show that special lady how much you love her and that you've still got that special something. Takes effect in four hours, lasts all night long. Um, Are we taking a break and then doing eyeliner on the other side? Yes, let's do that. Let's right. take a break here. You're listening to Muzak's Greatest Hits. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Back after this. You know what that means, Rick? When I was just Is it makeup time? Girl, it is, right. You asked me to help you, so I'm going to help you. No, no, no. I, and I do. No, here's the thing. There's nothing worse than like what I used to TiVo myself when I would uh, do traffic in the morning. Right. And then you go home and you think that you looked really good and you look at yourself on TV and realize how, like, what crap you look like. Now, what, now when, you would do, when you would do your own makeup, did you do your own makeup? Yeah, I did my own makeup. Now, what was the most common mistake that you would make? What um, should I, in other words, what what am I most likely to do wrong? Mine was mostly lipstick. That's not going to And they gave me, like, the exact, that's not going to be an issue. And they made me, like, they hired this horrible consultant to come in and tell me how to do my makeup. And basically, remember I told you this, she was Tanya Harding? Wear a lot of brown. She was, she styled Tanya Harding back in the day. I'm like, really? And you're hiring this lady to tell me how I should do my makeup? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so she was terrible. Gave me a bunch of, like, horrible brown eyeshadow. Was she the one who told you your hair to be all one color? Yeah, that made me dye my hair, like, all brown and all these horrible suits and stuff. You know what? You were like, uh, and I mean this in a good way, sort of, you were like the Margaret Cho of uh, of local uh, of local morning news, because you know, if, if you ever seen uh, have you ever seen Margaret Cho like do her live no, thing or no. read her book, she talks about you know she's a very uh, abrasive, aggressive, very brassy comedian, and then they gave her this show on ABC, this sitcom called All American Girl, mm-hmm. which is like the worst thing ever. It's well, the see, worst they, they blandest. Hired me because they said yeah. they liked my personality, totally. and then they totally yeah. stripped me of my personality. You know what it is? They were like the uh, they were like the girl that starts dating the guy and then changes them into somebody they no longer want. Mm-hmm. No, right. we like you because you're edgy. Wear right. brown. Come here, we have a minute and a half. All right. Oh, am I going over there? Yeah, should I be right. placed or should yeah. I go over there? Well, uh, I'll go over there. Right. I'll go over there. If you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to call, we'll take random calls here toward the top of the hour uh, as Sarah applies eyeliner to me, Rick Emerson. Okay. All right. So, should I be taking off my uh, my glasses? Alright, and All what right. you're gonna wanna do first is you have to breathe on this, make it warmer, so that way it doesn't like come out of some like big striped line. Okay. So I want to breathe on it. Yes. I'm breathing on my. Are you telling me to do this because you know I will? No, you have to. Look, and then it gets it like loosened up a little. All right. All right. Then look up. All right. Now, I have a question. Yeah. As you're putting eyeliner on me, I realize now. Is this really going to help me? Because this isn't teaching me how to do it. You're giving me a fish. No. Is this just because you want me to be wearing uh, eyeliner around the office today? Yes, I want you to go. Is this so I can go watch uh, Twilight? All you do is just put it on and then smudge it around. All right. And then it just puts the other Now, do I have to, uh, now, in other words, do I have to add more? Yes, it's me, Rick Emerson. I'm having eyeliner applied. So now, now, is that enough to be, uh, like, visible on the on the TV? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I've been told my eyes don't pop. Yeah, it's just a little bit. But don't go too over the top or else you'll end up looking like, you know, you were in drag the night before. See, so here's my question for you, though. So if I'm, uh, if I'm applying eyeliner like this, let's say there is the thickness that is the thickness of the pen itself. In other words, you, like if you were to take it on a piece of paper and go... Yes, you don't want to do it exactly thin like that because you'll look like 
a man trying to dress like a woman, you know, with like a thick line of eyeliner. You just have to put some underneath it and then smudge it all around so it's just like a smudge. So do I want to do across the underneath the entire eye or just a little bit and then smudge it? A little bit and then smudge it. All right. And I don't want to go back over it and make it extra thick. No. And you don't want to put any in the top either. All right. uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You might be the last call of the day. Hello, sir. This radio station sucks. Turn it up. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, let's try one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Last call of the day. Hello. Can you can you complete the trifecta of the song and the uh, women-esque stuff and just scream Eskimo for me a thousand times right now, please? Yes. Eskimo. <laughs> All right. There you go. Thank you. Do the other line. All right. I love him. I love my dead gay son. Rick Emerson Show, produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman for AM970, The Talker, The Newsroom, Tim Riley, The Punch, Richie Bristol, The Gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, Webmistress, Bridgman Upstairs, and of course, CBS Radio Portland Marketing Guru, Susan, Don't F with Me, Reynolds. Like us next, Michael Mara Show at 7. Uh, see y'all tomorrow uh, right here. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. Bye now.